During the age of constant connection, there is a force like gravity that shapes the inner and outer boundaries of our media. The pure force of signal, the pushers and pullers of knowledge, the invisible barrier. The ears of many hear the story of few, and few can relate. This connection of orbiting voices is the next paradox of the century. It's interesting, but also you can see where the corruption is already sitting in place in many countries. Like we, we, we blatantly say it here now because it's so bad in a lot of the times that we just abruptly see it because they don't even hide it here now. They just laughed about a talk about our climate and all that stuff. Um, they went to the meeting and they just went, we just waste all your time, see you later. And they walked out of the meeting. So we'll be the but it's, it's those same groups that don't want us doing all these things. It's the same billionaires, sadly, that don't want us to switch to crypto or want to limit us as much as they can until they're ready. Yeah. It's, it's a headache. I mean, there's not much we can do besides trying to push our government and trying try to say, like, talk to your local member and and have them try and lobby for protections that are in place that the normal currency should have been doing in the first place that banks used to do banks used to represent these things like crypto do, but then they fell into the same corruption. And that's, that's one of the big problems we have with everything in the world is that how many people will stand up to corruption. Most people are blind to it nowadays because they assume that's the stat, that's how things are. It's just the status quo when it's not. Does that make sense? And we don't have many speakers at the moment. Jess, I'm so sorry. I was stuffing my face while you were talking. So. Yes, yeah, I'm just in the back channel. Swamped here with the data. <laughs> Hey, this, we notice this happens to be a big topic now with when we're talking about decentralization as well, that banks banks have freaked out, but governments have freaked out more because of control issues. And that, that's, I think, why this, this big topic comes up all the time about what we can do and what we can get away with versus what they're trying to do to control us through exchanges or through, in many countries like ours, where they're saying that it's not illegal yet, but they're looking at making it illegal, but they won't agree to it yet because they realize that there's a whole bunch of like ramifications if they just all of a sudden make shit illegal. I think they're trying to, they're trying to cling to power, right? Because like the... the their 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 money printers are going away, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to hold their position. Yeah, the, the reference that we got was they're trying to grasp at water. They're, they're trying to hold it while it's slipping through their fingers, and and they're just trying anything they can to minimise the losses they're going to take. And what makes it crazy is in places like Australia, once once the people have the money, that dictates where things get done in our country. We, we will start pushing back. And those kind of things also then have ripple effects like 
Um, right now, if you have a business and everyone says go to China for your business, you don't have to because most things are automated. If you can afford to have it built in your country, you actually don't spend that much more than what you would if you had it in China anyway. The only, the only difference in between here in China or America and China is there's a whole bunch of legislation in place, and this is not government that did this, mind you. These are companies who set this up. They made the legislation for building a business twice as long as doing it in China, so it would force you to want to go to China if you're a business because no business is going to wait a year to build a factory that they could build in, in six months in China. True? So the, these systems were put in place artificially to, to drive us into a pigeonhole. And this is why, like when I referenced the VPN earlier, it's it's the same thing. They're trying to direct where you spend money. They're, they're trying to direct where the flow of traffic goes. In Australia, most of the internet's owned by two people or two conglomerates. It's the uh, Murdoch Press and our government. They, they own almost a 50% share of our internet, which means at any point in time, our government can turn off our internet if they deem it fit. If they have a reason to... They can just withdraw us from the rest of the world. And like that should scare people. The, the government's even looking at these kind of things. The, the, the new, the new rule, rules they're putting in place that push, like saying that they don't want people to hold crypto until they can decide whether it's a legal tender or not. What gives them that power if they're the ones who are holding a legal tender themselves, if they are getting paid by these companies who are doing dodgy things and are allowed these massive tax havens. And that's why I keep referencing things like the Pandora Papers. If you go through it, some of the stuff makes you sick to your stomach when you realize that governments have been ignoring this. People are starving in the streets in some states in America and they ignore the fact that someone who could pay a billion dollars in one state that could fix all the problems. Now, we have the same thing in Australia where they complain. They're now saying that they're going to try and withdraw the ability for people who have no money to get their benefits from the government. They're going to withdraw that money if people don't get vaccinated. Like, that's, that's kids and all. And they, they're literally saying that choice. Like, you have a choice of either die, risk getting the vaccine if you don't want it, if you, you know, you're someone concerned with that, or die because we're just not going to let you eat. Like that, that's a moral gray area that they, they don't care. They live in that area. That's, that's why they always say the rule is never trust three types of people, which is usually real, uh, was it lawyers, politicians, and car salesmen. Because their job is to lie directly to your face because they want what they want to get done. They usually represent someone bigger than them, and all that matters is that they win. And the funny part was the person who taught me that is a politician. <laughs> and it's, it's such a gray area that so many people don't understand where this comes from. Some, some people think that it's like not as bad as other people say. And some people think it's, you know, Armageddon for Bitcoin, but it's not. It's, we just have to make sure that we control the flow of where they're talking about making these laws. And even just, as they said, removing some of the problems we have today with massive amounts of debt that don't need to be there. The, I mean, my friend said he was borrowing money for a business and they wanted to charge him 41% interest on the loan he wanted. That's insane, 41%. But that's how they're getting their money right now. Well, other, like there's massive corporations that are borrowing and their borrowing power 
as a big company is 0.01%. So that just shows you how broken that system is. If you're Coca-Cola, you actually almost don't pay interest at all versus another company who's trying to start up to compete with Coca-Cola. So, and that's where that broken system is still in place. If you could seed your money from crypto, if, if say someone said, hey, I, I want to start a business, I'm going to go onto a GoFundMe, everyone pay me in crypto. You can do that without, and this, that's why companies hate these Kickstarter programs too. Um, you can do this without needing the government support. But also there's caveats to come in play if you're needing to borrow money from an investor who's like a bank. In Australia, when we borrow money from investment, the banks actually require a percentage of ownership of your company. That's how they get around this now. So they, they, they say, oh, we'll give you a million dollars, but we want 25% of your total company, which means they're earning more than a million dollars back. And, and this is where the status quo changes because if I could turn around and say, hey, I'm going to go onto a blockchain website and show the business I'm doing and people want to invest in the business, they can just pay me outright and there's no, no requirement. And some of these requirements are stupid from the banks. One of the banks told me they wanted a 10-year projection of how much money I would make at minimum and that projection would be how much tax I would pay in the first year. <laughs> And that, like those, those kind of broken systems should not exist. You pay taxes on what you earned in, in interest as a business. If you paid money out, that money should be deducted. That's how it used to work. Now they're saying that if you invest money into it, your ROI actually doesn't count towards how much money you have to pay tax. It counts on how much assets you have, which is busted because if someone's holding crypto and they consider crypto an asset, they could literally charge you on the crypto you are holding, let alone spending. That, that's where the gray area comes back in. To what you're saying, right? Like, they are, they are serving themselves, and they're, we could say that they're serving the donor class, and they're serving their interests, and they really don't give two shits about us, right? And, and arguably, I think, like, it's, it's definitely not the first time in human history where government has gotten like that. It, so I guess my question is, like, since this seems to be a pattern that repeats itself throughout human history. What is it about this pattern, right? Like, so it's kind of, kind of like relationships, right? You kind of, you break up with one person, you think you're, you meet somebody else and then you see the same old pattern all over again and you're right kind of where you started. So in an attempt to avoid a repetition of this, what are, yeah, essentially what does that pattern look like to you? So this is why I always push back to the idea that the way, the way that the world is built right now is on inefficiencies intentionally. So what they do is they, they don't want your money to be efficient. They don't want your power to be efficient. They don't want your car to be efficient because efficiencies are longevity, things that you can keep doing for a long period of time. And that's why they say, like, if you decentralized, if you pulled away from all these inefficiencies, you could actually cause a massive ripple effect through governments, which is where they hold most of their control is through these inefficient like projects and systems. The banking system is inefficient on purpose because the money only freely flows one way. doesn't matter how much you get paid, the money always flows back through them. They either they take a cut of you when you pay. If you pay debit on a card, they take a, they take a, a small cut. And just that small cut of that debit is 
billions of dollars a day in, in transactions across the country. And that, I mean, that's in our country, let alone yours, where you have 10 times the amount of people we have. You know, it's, it's insane. Like we, we've, we've heard of, of so many inefficiencies in the world that are just abused because while people are in power who really shouldn't be in power there, they want the inefficiencies there because they have interests behind the curtain. People who are in the commodity trade industry make their money from these inefficiencies. That's why recycling was never a thing. That this is why they don't like the idea of batteries and why they don't like renewables or nuclear being in, in large populated areas. Because if you had if you had a whole place like a whole town or if you said Texas decentralized from the grid completely, not just how they pulled away from the way it is right now, because it's still government based. If you had everyone who had solar renewables, if they had efficient homes, if they drove electric cars, those systems, even with infrastructures costing a bit to put in place, would completely remove you from the status quo, especially if you did your own food as well. That's also why there's such a massive pushback in industry for things like the, the fake meats, the vertical farming, because that you're not attacking, you're not attacking yourself or a local farmer. When you vertical farm, it's taking away from the corporation the people who make these standards. And this was, I think you were in the one we had the other day with Dave and a few of the others that were explaining that people, people don't understand that the, the value you're worth in terms of how much you're paid, but almost how much you pay out to live in the world, whether it's to go to the movies or whatever, that cost of living, that cost of living is dictated by how much the value is worth of everything they supply you. So if you, if you have, say, a Walmart and there's solar on the roof and they have electric trucks dropping off the, the food, that plus um, vertical farming, you could cut the value of that product in half. I mean, they're not going to give it to you now because they're making money on it. But Walmart's already started doing this where they're putting solar panels on every building they own because when the crunch happens, they can just cut their value because no other company can compete with them once they start dropping their value, which will force every other company, a domino effect where every other company will have to comply with the same thing. But this is the status they don't like. Like this is the, the change that they're trying to mitigate now. Don't you do it because we'll do it. Then so we'll keep control. Don't, don't, um, don't switch to an electric car because it's bad for you. Switch to this hydrogen car that's going to cost you five times the amount of money that you think of because we're not going to tell you about it for a year. You know, like these, these systems that are in place are in, incentivized and, and really inefficient on purpose. I take your and I I would agree with you that yeah these systems are in fact inefficient and on purpose because there's so many other things like even if you just look at COVID and what's occurred in the last two years I mean certainly there's a lot of other things that they could have done differently and it's almost like at every turn yeah but that isn't that that was the reference made. Transport, policing, hospitals, they're all inefficient. Most, most doctors will tell you that you could run a hospital a better way, but they don't because most of those places are run corporately. Even, even in Australia where the governments pay for the building, the way it's run is run by a third-party company, and those companies run them inefficiently on purpose. That's so, that's so insurance companies and pharmacies will make the money. 
This is also why things like marijuana were, were banned, why psychedelics were not used for over a decade, even though they proved that they helped with PTSD. Pharma banned them because it's an inefficiency. If, you're, if, you're, if it's an inefficient system, you're going to be constantly paying for their drugs. But if you take the thing that could cure you, that's the efficiency fixed, you see? But they don't want that. They, they try and plug that hole to stop that from happening. And that's not just in that industry. That's across all industries. People have been sent to jail for trying to fix some of these things. Isn't that crazy? The people that, <laughs> the people that poison the water supply, all that stuff, they never go to jail. They, in fact, their lawyers are paid by the state. It's so crazy. Wow. Like literally being run by criminals, and it's like we know it. They know that we know it. We know that they know that we know it, and we just keep doing it. Oh yeah, our, our government just stopped hiding it. They're just out blatant now. They don't care. Um, Thomas, you had something to say? Yeah, I, you know, comments about Walmart. We have the same problem. Like we have a monopoly of supermarkets and. Their prices are ridiculous, and whenever we have a local, like a cheaper, more efficient, uh, small supermarket pops up nearby, they just lower their prices so they go out of business. And once they're out of business, they just put the prices back up again. Yeah. So they did the same system with things like energy companies when when they introduced renewables. The energy companies, this is not renewables. This is like gas and, and, and uh, coal, even some nuclear, but mainly those two. They, they bump their price up when renewables happen because they plan to blame renewables for the bumping price. Because this is the status quo of changing and pushing this inefficiency of saying, don't go, don't go renewables because renewables are bad. Look, at, you have to pay extra money. and it's, That's cool, but if you put a renewable in your house, you ain't paying any money. Like once you own it, there's little to do, and and the the push of the the rush at this point when they say, oh, but you can't have it on your home because you need this many panels. Do you really? Because I've been quoted by an engineer for panels before, and he told me if I fix the house and the inefficiencies in the way houses are built, because most houses are built really inefficient, you can reduce the power you need by thirty percent. If you did that without renewables, you take a massive chunk out of that industry. 30%, that's huge. I mean, was it? In America alone, 30% of the, the global, sorry, the, the national grid, if you cut out 30% by just going efficient in every building you have in America, you're talking, was it, eight, 800 terawatt hours of power. That's like 12, 12 power plants gone. Just, just because it's efficient. But isn't it that you can make a house so efficient that you can actually sell power back to the grid? Yes. And this is why they don't like the system, because then that changes the status quo for for this. And this this was the other system we were talking about. One of my friends is looking at making a renewable system on his farm where at the end of every row of grids, he's got a battery and the solar grid, um, like his panel array, it's the best way to put it, his panel arrays are going to power a battery and that battery is going to power a mining rig. So he's going to crypto mine off of solar and batteries. And and they're trying to now say that he can't do it. Like governments are trying to step in and say that you, it's, it's illegal, you know, you shouldn't be doing those things. Why? Is it because it's going to change how people get paid 
Is it going to stop them them controlling those systems? Because he's already he already collects his own water. You know, he he grows his own vegetables, and his neighbor has has um, cattle and stuff. So he can literally pay them, trade them in vegetables. Does whatever he has to do, and he has meat. He can live off the food he's got, the water he's got, and the electricity he's got on on site. You know, it, it, it's stupid. He he he's even converted a, a truck that he had into an electric truck. He didn't buy one made. He converted one himself. You know, and they tried to tell him he couldn't legally drive it on the road. And he said, "Why? He's an engineer. He can certify it." He can certify it better than most Ford's companies can certify their vehicles because their vehicles fall apart on their own. You know, it's the status quo they keep trying to have where these big corporations don't like the idea that you can live without them. And that's the same thing that's happening with crypto. In crypto's markets, it's fiat that doesn't want you to realize you can live without them. They, they don't want the status quo to change because then you could lend money from a crypto bank. But then that means a fiat bank has no power. This is why so many fiat banks are trying to now grasp at anything they can get their hands on to get into the crypto market before the crypto market explodes. Because once the crypto market explodes, anyone who is not in the crypto market, they'll wither and die. Any, any of those fiat places will just have nowhere to go at that point. They'll be left hemorrhaging money trying to buy whatever they can. It wasn't like, didn't somebody suggest that if you had enough, like, 20 acres of land, you could make your own sovereignty and be out of the system, so? There's a there's a grey area with that, with, with the okay. that You can do it, but there's a lot of other laws you have to be very careful of. So Google has an army of lawyers that protect them using their, their the way that they exist as an entity. So if you're a person and you just choose not to be a person in your country that you're res- like you're an entity, if the government goes after you as an entity, you better be ready to fight because if you lose that right, you lose the right to exist in the country, which means they can eject you from the country you're in. You know, and this is a gray area because if you have a passport, but you're you know you're you're a national to the country that just kicked you out, where are you going to go? You know, you, I mean, people who are under the Commonwealth are lucky. Because you can, you know, Australians can go to the UK or Canada, but those who aren't, like Americans, if that happens, they're out. Do you have another nation that will support you? Because there's a whole bunch of red tape behind that, especially if you've been kicked out. So this is that affects poorly on you if you want to leave the country and go somewhere else. If you've been kicked out of the country you're already in, you know, and it's and it's it's a grey area, but it's it's good and bad at the same time. We know some people who do it as a company but they personally still pay taxes and do things because there's a gray area where if you are, and this is where I think some people in America like, but also would worry about the system. You can be exempt from laws that don't dictate how they're supposed to work because some of these laws are from, you know, when the country was founded. But if you become an entity, you're also not fully protected by the constitution because the constitution is dictated for people, not for companies, not corporate interests. So there's that gray area about saying, well, you technically don't have a First Amendment right as a corporation that doesn't exist as a person in the in the in the sovereign state you're talking about. You don't have those freedoms anymore if you're not a person in the country. And I think that's where that gray area comes back in that I was trying to explain before that 
in our country, it's referenced as a nuisance of law. Someone who can bring up a whole bunch of lawsuits back to back and prove different things. And every time they reference something, they have something else to reference back. Half the time, the court will look at that and say, that person is not worth dealing with. Just give them what they want so they leave us alone because they're wasting the court's time and money. So a lot of big corporations do that. That's why that's why the reference of paper terrorist comes up. It's people who will just constantly throw paperwork at a court until the court just says, screw it, just get them what they want, we don't care. Because it's just not worth the months and months of litigation that they have to go through. And they actually go for the value. I think they said it was like so many hours in court is so many millions of dollars in, in government funding and, and litigation costs so they are just not worth it. So if you think about a, a corporation like Apple, if it's not decided quickly, Apple can drag it out to the point where they will just a war of attrition, but they'll just beat the court because the court just can't afford to be open for them all the time. And this is where banks and, and crypto is such a crazy thing because banks can just keep printing money. So if they want to take something to court, they can just definitely hold out. They just make sure that any company that they're against or any government they're against, they, they have to draw their money from the bank too so the bank can just beat them. This is why the the uh, reference was before. Um, the Chase Bank, when they changed the gold standard, they lent money to Canada and they increased the interest rate so much that Canada will never pay that money back, ever. That's how much interest they're charging them. Like, I'd love to know what the number is to hear that because if that's the case, they're talking, what, millions, billions, trillions of dollars in interest? Because for them to say that a, a country like Canada cannot pay it back ever, means that the interest rate must be so high that the, the, the country itself can never earn that much money. Ever. You know what I mean? Like, but it also gives them rights to things like if they want to turn around and say, hey, we, we want to own the oil fields there now. Well, the banks now can claim it over people. See? And this is, this is why everyone was like, oh, Evergrande, look at Evergrande dying you know, in China. And they're saying, oh, it's good for everyone else. It's like, do you know that Evergrande, if they bail, if they turn around and say, oh, we're done, and they collapse, banks have to pull that money. So banks will buy up all the land that Evergrande owned. Here's an issue. Evergrande owned uh, shell companies in other countries. So does that mean under that sovereign right, Chinese banks are allowed to then buy land in countries they're legally not supposed to have land in? Because I know in Australia they stopped corporations from buying land because there was an issue about them buying up way too much land in our country. But under this Evergrande ruling, the banks are allowed to do it. So therefore the, the Chinese banks will own the land in Australia. Same in America. Anywhere that the, corp, the, the shell corporations from Evergrande are, they just keep abusing this system so they can acquire land even though they're legally not allowed to. And governments turn a blind eye to it because it's, it's billions of dollars being transacted around. You think they're not getting a cut somewhere? And we have the reference in Australia that we have, we have politicians in our country that have Cayman Island accounts with billions of dollars in them. You can't flag that there's corruption going on there. Did anyone else want to come up and talk too? Because, I mean, I can't dictate the whole thing constantly. Sorry, man. I'm just trying to uh, edit these episodes down. But yeah, no, that's a that's a problem everywhere, especially as a Canadian. I look at Australia and I'm like, holy crap, that's just like a precursor. 
that, that's one of the reasons why we, we speak up. Like some of us who are willing to speak up and risk getting in trouble, we speak up because even if it goes to hell here, we want to make sure that no other country has to deal with the same corrupt stuff because we're, we're being tested for these things. Like they've said in Australia now, if you don't get vaccinated and you work in a business that interacts with people, you're going to be fined $5,000 on the spot every time you interact with someone while you're not vaccinated, which means a, a business would just fire you as, as, a, as a worker because a business is not going to cover the costs. See what I mean? So they, they're just, the things with COVID, they sound silly because they're directly about COVID, but people forget that some of these laws never state COVID, just to be clear. Some of these laws, like we have the right to gather law that was the one that was put in place a long time ago. That's now been removed by a dispersal law where they're saying that because of COVID, you know, they had to say that people couldn't gather in more than 10 people at a time without government approval. But the problem is the law they put in place not once mentions disease, virus or, or COVID at all, which means it was a law they passed so they could just stop people from protesting. See, and, and like the same thing happens with what they're saying with, with cryptocurrency. All the changes they're making in the background they sound small and minute until they all add up to something big. That's why in Australia we're worried because if they bring through the laws that state that it's it's a fake currency or it's a an illicit currency the governments can't control, that then makes it an illegal action. So anyone who's holding crypto could be charged as a criminal, but it's at the discretion of the government. So they can just hold that over people until they decide they want to use it. Yeah, about vaccines. I was hospitalized for months after a bird flu vaccine, just a reference. And like, I mean, just, just to be clear, I'm double vaxxed because I had to get it done because we were told we have to get it done here, right? My issue was not about the vax. My issue was about the way the vax was handled. The fact that uh, corporations behind it, the, the like pharma companies, they have full exemption from anything. It literally states in the agreement that the government signed that says that even if, say, Pfizer, even if Pfizer was found at fault for taking a gamble and killing people, Pfizer are not, like, they're immune from any court case. And that That's should be... All vaccines. All vaccines have that clause. Yep. No, but here's the thing. It's not a vaccine. It's a treatment. A vaccination is a three-step program that you would be given... And over time, once you're given it, you have an, an immune response. This is a vaccine that is not a vaccine. It is a treatment they're talking about. Moderna's already ac accidentally released this information before. It's a five-year program. They're going to be doing two vaccine or shots, as I should say, treatments. You're going to get two treatments per year for five years. So that's 10 treatments on top of, the two, on top of your vaccine shots you've just got. They want 10 more sets of treatments that you have to pay for. You know how much money they're worth? Because the, the current vaccine was estimated at between $2.50 and $5 a vaccine. The treatment is $150 per treatment. So that's $300 a year. So what happened was Moderna jumped the gun and they released this information because they were talking to their, their shareholders. And they, they said to their shareholders that each pharmaceutical company providing a treatment plan, which is the vaccines, as they keep calling them, the booster shots, I think is the term they're using now for the secondary ones. The booster shot program guarantees all these companies a minimum of $100 billion a year paid for by taxpayers.
That's ridiculous. We still here? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I had a phone call right as that happened, so I was worried it was going to end. I was just being careful. Did it end a moment ago and everybody disappeared? I don't know what happened. Um, I got disconnected. So um, it was just a phone crash. So what happens is if the host crashes, the, the whole thing goes down. This is why we keep asking Jack, can they just buy host servers? Honestly, because the amount of money he can make from these things. I don't care if I've got to pay. To be fair, like I, I say this openly to Jack. Like, hey, Jack, I will pay a premium sub fee per year if I can get spaces that are hosted by a damn server. So they don't crash constantly. We even asked him, you know, when you put the hand up, like if, if there's 10 people here and they all put their hand up, I don't, I can't see who was first. We've asked them like something simple, like, Hey, can you put a, a number on the hand? And when someone takes their hand down, the numbers move around. That's not hard to code, you know? Or the fact that, or the fact that only select people can host and there's like an arbitrary reason for that. Like no one knows who can or can't or why someone can or can't. And we definitely got rug pulled earlier. We had a we had a, a, a speaker or a listener come in the room by following count. As soon as they came in the room, the rug, the room got rug filled because people were piling in, right? Yeah, we 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 made the joke before because we were like, oh, every time I speak about what I speak about, the, the channels go down. So they make the joke that it's my fault. Someone from Twitter's hearing it, and they're going, oh, quickly pull the plug, pull the plug. Spotify is going to regret not censoring these episodes. Yeah, um, but we we just think it's hilarious because like, we we always have the joke that um, in in Australia they're trying to censor us. Like even Facebook are now trying to say that um, they have a lawsuit currently with Australia where they're saying that Australian government can sue them as a publisher. Is anything you say you as a person can get you the person who posted the comment? So like say I post something and you comment on my post. You, me, and Facebook can all be sued for defamation, which which is scary when it's a little thing. But think about how terrifying that is for a company like Facebook when they're talking about like CNN makes a post and some of CNN's posts get a hundred million comments replied. That's a and if they all said the same thing, that's a hundred million lawsuits all at once. Imagine the fines you would get, like how much money you would hemorrhage money to someone like Facebook. There's no way you could counter that short of blocking people in the countries where CNN have done that now. CNN have now blocked access to any of us in Australia being able to comment on their stuff because of this new lawsuit. Because they're worried because they don't have the kind of money to, to, to cover this. And, and it's these kind of actions that sound small when they first are added. Like the, the idea of the bullying act that we had here that was supposed to be reported so that people you know, couldn't be bullied online, we were fine with that. Till the second bill come out that said that if you're accused of being the bully, you can be considered a criminal, and under the criminal law statute they have for the Digital Protection Act, they can go to your house before getting a warrant, three days before getting a warrant, they can search your digital properties, and including pretending to be you on, on the, the social media platform with the, uh, like with the help of the platform. They can pretend to be you. They can also add, edit, or remove anything you have digitally. 
which which is massively a red flag because in that wording that means that if I was to say be accused of a crime, censorship, but but if I was accused of a crime and I could remove the evidence to say that I wasn't in there, like my my alibi or my proof that I was innocent can be deleted by police, isn't that a massive red flag? Right, even from the wayback machine. Yeah. But they're also saying, like, if I have proof, if I have a legal proof on on file that someone is doing corruption, I can be charged with defamation, and as as the lawsuit is being accused, they can come to my house and they can arrest me and they can delete the proof that I was having against them. So then I'd be charged with defamation because I have no proof against them. And this this is not me warning you that this is coming. This is an actual law in Australia. This was passed. So you can see why many people don't talk about things in our country because these these grey areas, these moral things where we're like, yeah, we're talking about it, but we shouldn't really be talking about it. Some of us just like, well, if we're, if we're going to be arrested, we're going to be arrested. I'm on here as an entity away from who I am. Nothing on my this, this uh, avatar, if you put it that way, has any connection to me directly. So because of that, I can talk freely on here. I wouldn't do this on Facebook or anywhere else because most of that stuff gets tied straight back to you as a person. Some people I know are even on here talking on dummy phones because they don't trust whether their phones are connected to any of this stuff. Yeah, a lot of the times I'm using an emulator, so they can't even like connect it to my phone directly because I'm running it off a PC emulator. It's it's such gray area, such stupid things, but also crypto, like the banking system, the, them saying that now they want to look into ideas that they want to be able to, as, as we referenced the Lebanon comment earlier, but it's stupid that at any time a bank can just say, we're freezing everyone in the country's accounts. Like that should scare everyone who's using fiat right now. Are you using Bitcoin? Right now, right now, me personally, gray area. I'm not technically using it, but I have it being used in another country. So I have, I am paying someone to run a portfolio for me so that when I, I need my exit plan, it's going to have the money there for me. Because right now in my country, if I'm charged for holding it as a criminal, they can withhold my family's right to leave the country. So I'm being very cautious with how I use my money. So right now my money is being pushed through an exchange on someone else's portfolio in the US. And this person is the person who's also going to sponsor me when I move over there. So we're, we're doing a nice little sneaky thing to avoid it because if they make it illegal in Australia, I'm boned either way, true? But if it's illegal here in Australia, but I don't have any of the currency here, what are they going to do? They're going to take off me what fiat currency I have left. It's not going to matter if all my money's tied up over there and he can literally buy me a plane ticket to fly over there. As far as our government's concerned, same government holiday, and then when I get there, I'll seek safe harbor. Why aren't you just putting your Bitcoin in cold storage? I, I don't understand this whole portfolio thing. So we're making money out of it currently. This is where if, if you have cold storage, you're holding money because you're generating money right now, right? But it, can you spend the current money you have that's in cold storage? You can't because you're, lock, yeah. you're locking it away, right? But you're getting fiat right now. No, you can. You can. They're, they're, I think they're, they were just talking about like a lightning wallet that connects to your 
old story. But that doesn't work I mean, everywhere yet. In Australia, many places where you, and this one, just as a reference, this is not everywhere. We're waiting for it to be everywhere, then we will switch to the same system. Right now, what we're doing is, the, I'm, I'm using the fiat money I get from my government right now with, with how I get paid. Um, we use that money to live. And any money or excess I have goes through an exchange purchase agreement to go to this portfolio. So this, this, this person is generating money for me so that we can have more than enough money on the other end right now to buy land, do whatever. But we also have like Bitcoin purchases sitting there because that Bitcoin, when it spikes, that, that should be more than enough money for us to live off. But we're trying to make money currently. So before the spike happens, I can move. Well, are, are you a believer in like a, like a post-Bitcoin world? Post-Bitcoin? You mean post-fiat? Yeah, you could say post-fiat, yeah. like a hyper-Bitcoin world where you know everything kind of changes. Well, yeah, so... All it does, and this is this is the reference they have, is all, all Bitcoin will do, if Bitcoin becomes an anchor currency, it would just become the old gold standard again. You know, the standard we used to have before banks were so corrupt that they abused the system they have. If that makes sense. So right, right now... So you're saying we just swap one reserve currency for another? Same well, everything else does on so, so the system... The system that used to be in place, this is why I always say, like, it's not banking... The banking system itself is not broken or dead it's just heavily corrupted now so what happens is if you if you borrow money today and i lend you a hundred i'm a bank and i lend you a hundred dollars i can also then when you give me the receipt to say you owe me a hundred dollars i can lend that same hundred dollars to thomas even though i don't have it you know what i mean that system that's in place never existed when the gold standard was here Phantom lending could not happen because you needed you needed currency behind it to lend the money out and, and so this is why these systems, like some of these banks are worth huge amounts of money that they, they don't even physically have any at all. Years long, when they died by COVID, they're coming in like your house and shit with some crazy questions, you know. You're, you're a little hard to hear there, Hourglass. Uh, do you know Mike is working with it? It's a little bit watery. Yeah, let me... Shit. That was a bit better there. <laughs> Give me a sec. So this, yeah, I, I get the whole idea of like rehypothecation and like over lending and that kind of stuff. But the Bitcoiners have this expression, fix the money, fix the world. You don't buy into that. Sorry. Um, well, that's the thing it does. But And this is the issue about saying the gold standard wasn't an issue. The gold standard did fix all the problems we have today. Hyperinflation didn't exist when the gold standard was controlling how that system worked. Okay, so you're saying Bitcoin is just gold. Well, they, they reference it as the ancient currency. It's a currency you can lend off other currencies. So Ethereum would use like Bitcoin as its anchor. 
So you could borrow the Ethereum out to people as an anchor from Bitcoin itself. Yeah, so in like 10, 15, 20 years from now, you don't see the world being fundamentally different? To be fair, if we switch to a decentralized world, the entire world would be fundamentally different. I'm just trying to drag a little optimism out of you. I don't really know what the point is. So I'm not saying this is doom and gloom. Just to be clear, like some of these pushes are good. So what I'm talking about when I say like this is bad, this is bad, remember this is a government or governments scrambling because these things are so powerful and these things are going to change how we live for the better, but not for them. So that so they panic because they're trying to stop these things wherever they can. Mm, damn straight. Yeah, I think it's like a uh, sort of double-edged sword thing going on because all those uh, transactions, if we do switch to a Bitcoin uh, standard, they're all going to be obviously public. Mm. And so that comes with like another question. Do we want uh, currencies to and the fiat in the paper sense to kind of like persist? No. Well, so just to be clear, always just be a barter system. So this this is I think the misconception some people have. I know some people are in it for a while, but they still okay. misconceive some of this. Right? The idea is not to be hidden by crypto. Crypto can be visible. It's the fact that it cannot be manipulated. See, right now, yes, exactly. Other currencies can be even on crypto. Other currencies have been manipulated. I mean, look at Ripple. They tried to manipulate Ripple and they hurt themselves by funneling all that money into Ripple because they didn't understand how, how cryptocurrencies worked. They assumed if they pumped more into the system, they would get more out of it. But all they did was every time you double the currency, you're halving its value. And like that system was the old system they had. The, if you have gold and you have the gold standard, if you double the amount of gold you have, you half its value. That's just standard de- like supply and demand for anything in the world. But they, they forgot that. So when banks tried to get involved with crypto early, they hurt themselves because they forgot how old standards worked and they were trying to use their current standard to, on an old system. Even though it's, you consider this a new technology, we're still using an older system. It's the trade barter system brought back in place. The only difference is, is that the blockchain itself is used as a checks and balance, not a specific person. And, and these, are the systems, these are the systems in place that hurt big banks and hurt governments because they can't control the flow of money, they can't control the flow of the taxes in terms of how this money is done. They can still tax you, but the way these systems work, you could invest your money in a tax in your local government. You could sit there and say, I'm paying my taxes to my community instead of a statewide or or a, a federal tax that most of the money does not even stay in country. Yeah, 100%. I think if uh, we had the option between fully public or completely private, we would absolutely choose the option of fully public because it does give that like so much um, validity to the whole system. And, um, you know, I was like thinking about uh, the fact that, uh, shoot, just lost my uh, sort of train of thought here, but you know, yeah, just, just going to the bottom line that, um, and it was, oh yeah, I remember now. Um, 
Now, the U.S. is passing something about all sort of major payment um, rails that we have today, like Zelle, Cash App, Square Cash, all in the U.S., right? They're passing a law next year, matter of fact, um, that every sort of transaction, I believe over $600, is going to now be um, subjugated to, like, the IRS uh, as far as like income tax. Yeah, so if you, you receive, so yeah, it, you know, it completely, uh, I think I completely understand why they're doing that. Um, they're kind of, off that. what's that? I think they're backing off of that. Okay. So you don't think that's going to actually pass? I thought that was a, uh, for sure. You know, the only thing I, I don't get the use for all of it because they say 600, uh, that I just buy in 500 uh, chunks or whatever. So it makes zero, zero yeah, sense. It's $600 in value. Just to be clear, the word there was value doesn't mean $600 in currency. That means they can talk about stocks or anything that you transfer. And this was the idea about they're saying that some companies are not opaque, they're not visual, like they hide how they're doing all their transactions. Some people are paid in stock in some companies. So that they have money, they don't have, like they're already rich and they get paid as a stock value. Now, they're not the ones who are gonna get in trouble from this. The main focus on this was something that we thought was dirty, but is something that is probably true as well. So this comes down to the same crackdown that was happening with OnlyFans, where many companies are trying to push back against payment services that are paid directly from person to person through an app. So they're saying that one of the people we know here, he said that they offer support for um, like counseling and the counseling is paid via Venmo. But they want to stop that because they believe that like it's, it's taxable stuff. Like, That's cool. But some people, if they put it through the health department and they were, they were giving people this counseling through where it's supposed to be through, that the cost of the counseling would triple because the money is not the, the cost of their treatment is if they were at a clinic is not set by the person giving the treatment and is set by the insurance company. And this is a system that is broken as well that I was explaining earlier. You see that these, these systems feed into each other, but they're also controlled by these beer conglomerates that want to, you know, lobby against getting around them. You know I mean, so these are the same reference. They talk about crypto, you can talk about health systems, people who don't like going to doctors because most doctors are taught to agree with whatever they're given as standard practice, which in some cases most doctors don't listen to standard practice because it's crap for, for a nicer way to put it. The, my, my doctor told me, they said, I, I don't like the vaccine. I'm not going to tell you you have to get the vaccine. And she said, but I have to make this clear. I am legally not allowed to tell you not to get it. See? So she was told that she could be sued and lose her license if she told people that, that she sh they couldn't, shouldn't get the vaccine. I was told crazy, almost the same thing about, about the flu vaccine. Yeah, like, but this is. I took it. I, I was hospitalized yeah. for weeks, and then they, they said to me, not officially, said that none of them would take it. None of the nurses, none of the doctors would take it. Only the very young or very old would take it. 
Yeah, I, I guess and my question. Oh, sorry, just real quick. Question would be: When do we write a new constitution? Yeah, this goes into our like amendments now, right? I mean, I mean, like brand new. You would have to form so a new like country. A digital, just to be clear, you would have to digital. form a new country. Well, you can form it digitally. Form it in cyberspace. You know, digital commonwealth. What well, it's it's more like the physical location is how the constitution works. Well, it has. But it's, yeah. I mean, it needs. To well, no, I think that's going to come clear, from like contractual just to clear, we, type of situations. Already, no, no, we've already spoken about this before. Um, so in Australia, there's actually a plot of land that's owned that is Australia. Technically, it's not the big island you guys see on the map. It's a small island off the coast. Um, if you do that, if you were to have enough money and you were to buy an island, doesn't matter how big it is, as long as they can class it as terra novus, so you can claim the island that has no one on it. If you claim it as your island and you live on that island, you can have a constitution that protects you. So if you have a sovereign state inside another country that you project as, you can sit there and say that you are, um, like where you live is considered the embassy of that country. Why can't, like I own Bitcoin, Bitcoin is digital property. Why can't I just have a digital constitution, digital... Because, land, of the rule, you know? because of the rule of Terra Novus, like this is worldwide, you have to have like a stake of land that is not owned by another country. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's digital land. Technically, property is... But that doesn't account for like your physical body. Yeah, it's it's techni technically property is not... That's ownership of an asset. It's not the same thing as physical property like land. What about my spiritual body? Well, if we don't have a uh, law currently for, for that. Technically, that's what the churches claim they own, remember? Right. I mean, I would argue that the spiritual jurisdiction is the highest jurisdiction. That, that's Absolutely. Why yeah, so I'm, that's, that's my starting point. Yeah, but that's, if the, uh, this is my argument. current reality would oppose you. So, and and this, this feeds back into my argument before. Uh, so this is where crypto becomes a big thing. Now, what is the biggest commodity in the world that anyone has? Does anyone know? Time. Okay. Uh, time and energy are the two things. How much energy you put into a subject and how much time you have to execute it. Now, I was told that by a billionaire here. And he says that you know, for, for mental well-being, they actually are taught as billionaires to for one hour a day in the morning and one hour a day at night, before, when you wake up at first and when you go to sleep at night, do not touch any electronic at all. Turn it all off. Turn off everything but the lights in your house. Just have dinner or talk to your partner or whatever for an hour. Then go to bed or wake up in the morning, have breakfast, do gym work, do whatever you're going to do, then touch electronics. And they actually say it's for digital well-being. It's something they're taught because the intent of some of the things you see online is to make you stressed. It's intentional, right? But they also say it promotes creativity. Yeah. Now, in the world, and when it comes to energy and time on top of that, Anything you can pay for to avoid wasting your energy and time is worth value, no matter how much more expensive it is. I know someone that will pay people in his business to fly to him, even though it's just half the price for him to go to them, he'll pay them to fly to him because his time and energy is worth more money than any money he owns. 
like that that just shows you how crazy some of this stuff is like they were referencing that with elon musk where they're saying that the reason why they're moving the main headquarters to texas is because he can then focus his time and his living in texas where, where he's not thrown all around jumping in like the airplane all the time he, he lives in the state where the hq is so he can focus on those things now many billionaires do this so they'd rather pay someone to fly to them or have an assistant that flies around the world for them so their energy is better spelt elsewhere you know their, their time is more important than people realize this is why so many people have such strict schedules and why they i know someone that when he does interviews it's a strict 15 minute interview because he, he's got 20 other interviews lined up and he has to relegate that time. He can sit on a space for five hours, but it's not going to make him money. 15-minute interview can make him more money if he spreads it out between many people. And it's the same thing. Like if you, can, if you can sit there and say, hey, I'm going to work, and this is where this reference comes in about crypto and, and decentralized living. You're going to work to get paid for a specific amount of money that you earn because it's dictated by the state. If you decentralize, if everyone decentralizes, the value goes down, but your cost of living drops to almost nothing then, which means that any money you make for working, if you still want to work, that money is just icing on the cake. It's extra money you get that you're not sitting there going, oh, I need to work. And this this is where this, this point of saying that you are um, indentured servitude you're, you're, you're owing to a bank or you're owing to an entity constantly forever. So you're a slave to that system. If you remove yourself from that system by decentralizing, you no longer have to pay your power bill, your water bill. I mean, short of paying for the house that you you know have a loan on or something, you, you're not paying half those bills. Now, if you turn around and said, if I can build a house with borrowed money and I can build all of this decentralized stuff at my home, all that extra money you save from that can go into your mortgage to get your mortgage got done quicker if you had to get a mortgage in the first place. But these these standards change things. And like we have a friend who did this where now he's a big family. He's got him and his wife and five kids and they have animals. They built a house that is fully decentralized. And he, with the money he saved from all that, they're looking to buy a second house for their oldest daughter same decentralized paying for over the top expenses to do this because of how much money they saved. But also his wife got to buy a second Tesla because the money they saved from the first Tesla just in savings from maintenance and fuel paid for their second Tesla. I mean, like, and people, that's what they don't talk about. And they talk about, Oh, look at how much damage it does. Look at batteries. You can't trust this. You can't trust. It. Yeah, cool. They're only telling you that because they want you to keep spending money. You see, this, this is a broken system they're talking about with inefficiencies. They want you to buy an ICE vehicle. They want you to keep paying a power company because they say, don't trust solar. Do you know how, where half those research papers come from that tell you not to trust solar? They're paid for by gas companies and oil companies because they don't want you to switch to a, a, a property that would take away from them. Like we, we referenced this before when they were talking about it. We had this reference from someone who works with, with Elon Musk, but he's from a separate company. He consults for their solar company. And he said that when they did the reference with the government, they said that if you put solar panels on every building in America and it would generate energy, you would actually generate enough energy to power America, Canada, and Mexico. That's with storage. 
So you store for the nighttime, you store for rainy days, and you'd still have that much extra power. Like that, that's mind boggling how they don't want it to exist because it changes the status quo. Because once you do it across your whole country, it's free energy. Then there is no one to pay because it's literally free. Even if you have the battery even if you had to pay a return on investment, this is what makes this so crazy. The return on investment itself, even if it's five to ten years, after ten years, there is no more payments. Like and even most people who jump like to the people who are in here and people listening, um, the comment that it, a solar panel lasts twenty five years is a lie. It has a twenty five year performance warranty. That's not a life warranty. They were only legally allowed to put a performance warranty on them. This is a change that was lobbied by energy companies. So we we have someone here in Australia who builds solar panels who said that his solar panel, they can guarantee 40-year life on the solar panel. The efficiency will drop, but so will every other energy company in the world. If you, if you go to a coal plant or a gas plant, no gas plant lasts the 50 years they claim they last without maintenance. Now, the maintenance is considered... You know, efficiency. So it, it's it's just that that lie, the lie of emission they have, where they sit there and say, "Oh, but this is better." No, it's not. It still needs repairs all the time. I mean, the average car versus, a, say, a Tesla or even um, the the Marquee, the Ford one, they have an eight-year lifespan before the batteries start to degrade. That doesn't mean they die. It means they start to lose range. You could have a car for twenty years and still drive it. Did you know that an ICE car only has a three-year warranty on their parts in terms of how long they would last before they were repairs? Three years. They don't tell you that when they're comparing them to ICE cars because three years sounds ridiculous when you're comparing three years to eight years. So, Advance, are you uh, sort of getting... Are you sort of saying that um, Bitcoin can handle all of the world's sort of access energy through mining. Oh, yeah. But, um, but not just, because I think that's sort of like... That's, that's, but that's part of decentralizing. That's what I'm saying. This is why they don't want this. Yeah. Through my quotes, you know what I'm saying? It's like all these companies all around the world... And it sounded a little muted. Sorry. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so just without going too far on that tangent again, just to explain quickly, is that these systems are from different parts of the world. They are all part of the same commodity trade industry. The people right. who are part of banks who don't want these systems yes. in place. Because once these anchor points get placed, once Bitcoin becomes the gold standard of, of our new crypto digital currencies, other currencies will form around that. It's going to happen. Like we're not just going to just have a Bitcoin. You know, that everyone who says Bitcoin will be the standard and the only thing traded, it, that's not going to happen. It would be nice, but we could not do that because the inflation that would happen from the coin when it is fully standardized, that alone would not make it a spendable coin, but it would make it a good anchor coin for other coins to go off. The same reference we have today with a stable coin. When, when they become an anchor coin, they will be referenced as a stable coin. They'll be the coin that at that point will never fluctuate. The standard. Yeah. So the standard for that means that they can reference off of it for other coins. See, and, and this is where these systems start over, overlapping and you start getting other things like Ethereum 2.0, and a few of the other ones, even the ones we're talking about private, those, those systems will allow execution that banks cannot do or banks do not want to do anymore. 
you can lend as a small lender without needing, you know, almost a home loan worth of finance behind you before they'll lend you money. Like my friend has a, a job and he gets $55,000 a year, but he was told he couldn't borrow $20,000 to buy a car because the, the banks do that. But they didn't, didn't explain why. They just said that he, he couldn't get it on, on the, the credit system when they evaluated him. And this is a full-time job. He's had this job for 10 years. You know, and, and these systems where they get to pick and choose from, <clears throat> they won't exist anymore. You can you know, feed money and, and say, I owe this money to the, to the system. And every time you put money in, it will automatically take money out. This is actually something one of my friends is working on as a, as a loan system. But they're saying that you, you might not be able to afford to pay constantly, but if every time you make a transaction, you have excess money, they're like the reference of in some places they do it for charity. If you pay a dollar forty-five for something, the extra five cents would be crypto paying back. Now, if you do this to every transaction, you'd be surprised how much money you could save or pay back a bill with. I mean, these systems can be put in place through blockchain executables, but banks won't do it. They both like that. They want you to still own money constantly. That, that's that's why, like, in terms of what will be the future, crypto will be the future. Yeah, well, crypto will remove these, yeah. these control points. Some of the points right now, like, that just use reference to the valve tap, we heard this earlier. The problem is governments can turn the tap off right now. Governments can control the flow of fiat currency. And the reference, again, was earlier. Lebanon, Lebanon cut their entire community out. They said no bank will be open, all your money's frozen. That's why they're saying, like, we have friends who are over there who are trying to teach their families to switch to crypto now because of this reason. To use the Lightning Network to pay each other for things. And it's not just about me saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a person and I've lost money, right? Any matter like this, you have a local hairdresser or a local general store? Because what happens when Fiat decides they're going to block those people from taking Fiat payments because a big corporation wants money instead? A bank doesn't care if they cripple a general store. A bank only cares about the multi-million dollar store down the road that pays them lots of money. And this is, this is where that gray area comes in again, where it's so corrupt. That system gets pulled away with crypto and you're, you're paying who you want to pay. You support a local grocer. If the local grocer has a better product or people just like going to that place, that place is going to guarantee get that money all the time now. In a more kind of like obvious fashion, I would say like how Bitcoin can sort of benefit the uh, rest of the world's economic situation is that we we all know that um, inflation is happening throughout every country in the world. So Bitcoin is sort of the first denominated um, situation that we've had as sort of an internet standard of currency. And it's gonna, it's gonna sort of, I think, in my opinion, uh, this whole technology, it's gonna sort of manage the average inflation of all countries, like put together, yeah. because yeah. it's sort of like so a this, world, a world is, reserve. So this is the thing, right? Asset without being called yeah. one, right? Well, no, but this is the point, right? And this is why this was an issue before. The gold standard set this as a value. 
gold had the same yeah. value regardless of what country you're in. So when you're, when you're borrowing from the value of gold, it used to be a set standard. That's why it was the gold standard, right? What happens is Bitcoin will isolate this around the world. So a satata, like a sat, a satashi will be worth the same in America as it is in Australia. Because our currency won't exist at that point. We'll be on. We'll all be on digital currency. So the the lending parameters will be based on what your country is worth, and this is what makes this really good. And this is what people missed out on when we we're talking earlier before the space chain um, crashed. Your value comes from what you can add to the world. In a crypto-based system, the way the old gold standard worked, industry will come back to your country. You see, the, the value of your dollar or the the dollar they have in terms of the, um, the centralized currency they're going to talk about, that, that currency value will be based off of Bitcoin plus how your system works. So in many countries, if you can you know, sell steel or do those kind of things, those industries will be worth more money than just saying, hey, we can print money now because printing money does nothing in that kind of a system. This is why they got rid of the gold standard in the first place, so they could just print money as an excuse for actually doing real work. But today, if you were to switch back to that standard, some companies would go bankrupt overnight because all their money comes from that lending system or the fact that they don't have any money to, to purchase the goods they have. They're doing everything in a debt system continuously, year-round. And those systems don't pay tax. So again, this is that cyclical thing that happens where people don't pay tax because they're abusing a bank lending system. Well, do you think that, I, I for one think that the uh, debt system will still exist in a, a very high standard. Um, I think that, that we're just sort of like covering the surface with having, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't really uh, considered this as like a huge the, sort of the, um, I don't know. I just feel like uh, Bitcoin will be there as a standard, a sort of base, and then we'll sort of still have this fiat-based system with uh, debt layer, layering on top of it. Like we'll have different, we'll have very multiple types of layers. Debt will still be there. Credit cards. No, no. You missed you know, like So yeah, okay. So borrowing debt against the gold standard used to be. A bank, I could lend you a million dollars if I held a million dollars, right? But once I lend you the million dollars, until you pay it back, I couldn't lend that million dollars out again. So right now with the current system, banks lend out, they might have a million dollars in their coffer, but they lend out a trillion dollars in, in transferable assets they don't have. Okay, so right now it used to be like one, one to every 10 units that they had now it's like one to every hundred is that what you're saying one to every billion one to every billion what, if, you're, what if, is, you're talking, if you're talking about like crypto or you're talking about fiat no, i'm saying like every hundred dollars the bank used to have uh the u uh, at least i'm talking like u.s based so they, they used to be able to lend out 10 times that and then i, I learned recently it's, that it went to the it's exponential so this is where people make this mistake okay so okay Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so the reference we got made by a bank account was if you can lend out $50, 
a bank can exponentially relearn that money so in a year they can get over a billion dollars back from that fifty dollars. Because you're saying the the like um, it's it's sort of like uh, the it, it's it's phantom lending. It's money that doesn't exist. So. Like the reference people had before was everyone heard what happened with Robin Hood and the trading happened with GameStop. Yeah, they were sure. they were borrowing on three x. It was only three times, right? Three hundred percent the value of the stock because they were borrowing three times the stock that actually existed. So say there was a hundred units of stock in GameStop, they were actually lending out three hundred. That three hundred was six billion dollars of stock that didn't exist, right? Now, they're saying that the same thing happens in the fiat system, but the fiat system, you're talking trillions of dollars, trillions on trillions of dollars. One bank alone can have over a trillion dollars in transactable debt that doesn't have any any real anchor. That's why when companies ask for bailouts, businesses, sorry, or, or banks, when a bank asks for a bailout, that's why they need the bailout because none of that money exists. So they need like an injection from government of that money. It, do you think it's like with, within the game? Like, do you think it's inevitable sort of situation? Like, it's built within the game. So, lending lending will always be a thing. Like that that's how we get API. That's how we get asset and money retention. Yeah, borrowing money out is not the issue because, like, I could as an investor invest in your company, and technically, that's lending you money. You still have to pay me back, whether it's through a long term contract of being part of an investment firm, or if you're just paying me back once you've saved enough money, right? Right. So but we have this like invisible thing called inflation. Yeah. As well, correct? Yes. But the inflation is caused by this system. That's what I'm trying to explain to people before when they, I don't think they understood the, the gravity of what I was explaining. Um, a phantom lending is how inflation gets as bad as it is because you're creating money that doesn't exist. You're, or technically you're creating debt that doesn't exist, which eventually needs money to pay it off. Would a maybe better, uh, and, you know, I'm just saying this, would a, maybe a better word be you're, you're creating value that doesn't exist? No, it's actual debt, like phys- like loans. Okay. okay. So what they're doing is they're creating a, a debt that needs to be filled by a currency. If the currency doesn't exist, that country has to then print the currency to fulfill the debt. So that's why they reference, like, what was it, since crypto, so 2008, more than 70% of the total value America has printed of their entire currency value. 70% of it. So, at, not to cut you off, but um, advance, but if we continue printing the money, does that debt not get sort of buried? within the inflation that we are creating at the same time. So that debt that we owe continues to be less the more we continue to print. No, because this is the trick with phantom lending. As soon as the debt is paid, it's relent out or it's relent out while the debt is there. So when, when you're looking at it, you're looking at a static figure of saying, and this is what I mean by this is the difference between how crypto works and how banking systems currently do it. If you borrow a million dollars, you have to pay the interest and the million dollars back, right? 
What happens okay. with a bank is the bank can get you uh, to sign a contract, which is a transaction receipt. As soon as they get the transaction receipt that guarantees that you by law have to pay them back, they can lend that money out again as, as a fungible token that says, hey, um, we have this money that's being owed by someone else. You can also borrow the money. And, and this is where like governments allowing this is insane. Um, we can gotcha. borrow, borrow this money to you. And like, just as a reference, if you have 10 people doing this, you can lend it tenfold. But as soon as you get the receipts from all 10, you can reloan it to 10 more people without getting a single dollar back from any of the people you've lent it to. So, so this number exponentially grows. And that's what they said. Some banks who started off with $50 million in their, in their physical assets, so they had $50 million in cash, two of them are over $10 trillion in value today, but they still only have the same physical amount of money in, in their vault. Most people use digital currency, which saves them. But if they turn around today and you went to every bank and you said, I want my cash, you watch them freak out. Because they don't, the world does not hold enough cash for the amount of money we have. So, so I have a few, um, sorry not to, get, not to go you off again, man. But I have a, uh, one theory to suggest to like the street level of how we, we as uh, sort of consumer civilians are going to receive this back end and then how the uh, enterprise level is going to sort of see this. So, like, dude, the consumer level with this um, new law that they have sort of implemented, po possibly it may not get passed, um, like a lot of people are saying, but, you know, there's a lot of small businesses out there that are receiving their payment through Zelle, through Cash App, things like that if they start infiltrating that sector of like um, uh, uh, non-receivables of, of uh, the, these payment outlets um, and start looking for some tax revenue from that, a lot of people are going to be dealing with cash, right? So they're going to go Remember, to the bank. Just to be clear, it's not tax. It's a, it's a lie. And I, I will call most governments out for lying about this. This is a transaction fee that they do not get. Banks don't touch. So Venmo makes their money through a transaction app. Some companies do the same thing where they use PayPal, right, through, through their system. So the back end of you know, um, Stripe, I think, is the other one. So they'll use their systems to pay. Banks don't see the fees for those systems. So banks are pissed off because they're going to lose all that money. And the reference that was made by that was the same thing that's happening with Bitcoin. In Turkey alone, they said that in a year, the banks in Turkey make a billion dollars in just transaction fees. So that's the, what, one cent or 50 cents that you pay, depending on what country you live in. Like, whenever you pay with a card, they charge you a percentage of your purchase as a transaction fee. They're saying that that, that small infinitesimal percent earns them a billion dollars. Just from fees. So those fees will go away. So that's, that's a massive revenue spike for them that would just disappear. It would evaporate overnight. And that's why they, they're, like, they're realizing this with Venmo and Cash App and all those systems. They even, they're even talking about the Lightning, the Lightning Network, the same thing. But they can't police the Lightning Network the same way. See? Okay. So you're saying the Zelle, Cash App, Venmo is more 
just as dangerous to the banking system as like the yes. Lightning Network. The ones that don't use the banking system themselves to pay them. So that there's a slight difference there. Some of them actually use a, a banking transfer system. Like in Australia, they're, they're now complaining because some of us who want to pay people in other countries, we're using pay ID and pay ID bypasses restrictions that are in place to stop us from sending money, like to say to Kraken or someone. We actually had the person from Kraken on the phone telling me how to transact money into Kraken because our banks were refusing to allow us to buy crypto. Gotcha. Yeah, I, you know, in the States, I've learned even that the uh, Starbucks app, when you like are using that app, the money that's accessed that you do not use is used for lending purposes. You know, all these companies... Yeah. Any, any sort of amount of money that they can receive through their uh, within their system is is going to be used. Yeah, so, money, money potential. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. They only need $50 to make a billion. Think about that. So if, if they can be a big company and they can be like, hey, we'll give you a billion dollars, that's trillions of dollars in value that they've just made. They don't have to own it themselves. They can use it through an app that you own. Hey, Doc, I appreciate your talk, man. This is great information. Um, I would ask, uh, do you agree with the statement that uh, Visa and MasterCard uh, also fear Bitcoin, and that's why they moved into Ethereum so strongly? Well, they, they don't like the banking system because the banking system polices a lot of things they can do, even as as Visa and, and MasterCard. So, so they're, they're pushing against the grain with banks as well. I mean, there's, there's even been an issue with PayPal where, um, and like without, without bringing this up, because this is a big issue that's another topic outside of this, but sex workers cannot be, you, you can't PayPal people in that industry regardless. If, even, and this was a reference from someone we know who does this for a job. She's an actress who doesn't actually do the part, but she's in the roles in the films. She gets paid through a company that is not allowed to pay her through PayPal in her country because anything under that term is restricted. Now, a lot of banks do the same thing. They actually refuse to accept the money. So some people have to get paid through third-party systems, and this is where this is just a, I don't like what you do for a job, so I'm not going to pay you. And this is the system that MasterCard and, and, and uh, Visa don't like because they shouldn't get to dictate that. They're a banking institution. They're not someone with a conscience to judge you. And this, this folds into other systems that we have in place right now. And MasterCard and Visa, they, they want this system to go around because, to remember, they still want to be credit cards. They still want to say, hey, and this, this, I think Coinbase and a few other ones are doing it right now, where they're like, hey, use our Coinbase card that is a Visa card to pay for things and we'll get a percentage of the fee. They just cut the banks out completely and they're going straight to the exchanger. You know, I, I think Visa and MasterCard are the people that are sort of denying these opinions um, on who they want to do financial work with. And that's sort of the problem, right? Is that we don't have a free uh, sort of like internet democracies to sort of decide all that all of those different situations. Um, oh, no. So, no, no, no. So, just to be clear, it, it was, it's PayPal itself and Stripe that are doing this, not the Visa and MasterCard. 
Otherwise, Visa and MasterCard would be banned from buying those kind of things on their site. Okay. Okay. So you're saying the the like third parties are are denied? Yes. The the money value transaction places, not not MasterCard and Visa themselves. They partner with a lot of these companies, but they've even noticed that even with things like OnlyFans, where like they are refusing it now. And like Visa and that don't like this because they make money from this stuff. And people who know, like that industry, the sex industry makes a metric ton of money still, even with free stuff online, they still make a lot of money. And Visa and MasterCard take a massive hit every time they deny something. And it's stupid because as I said, it's that morality thing that should not be part of how this works. It's business. It should no, no emotion should be involved with how these systems work. But they do. They push their opinions onto these things. Banks are doing it now. We actually have companies here that are saying they don't want to do business with companies that are transacting in crypto. They should have no right to dictate this, but they do. And this is why many companies like MasterCard and Visa have pissed off our banks because they said, well, we're just bypassing them completely now. Yeah, I think one of the main problems with the... uh I think one of the main problems with the internet right now is like the that financial inclusion. That's really the main problem is if we had uh, financial inclusion within like sort of every sector um, to a reasonably, you know, regulated degree. Um, I don't think everything should be financially like included, but then but then there's an argument to that. There could be there's that like super fluid free market that we have with Bitcoin. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really tough, but I think, uh, to an extent, that's why we have like the Dow situation with like Ethereum and stuff like that. But that can also, that also has like a lot of different questions with it. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're very much in the beginnings of this sort of like, democracy status with uh, the internet there's very it's like as soon as one question gets solved there's five more oh, always to sort of replace it you know this is a standard we've lived by for a while now especially with us living in in the idea of pushing us i'm not currently doing it but i'm pushing it through other means to other people we know if you push decentralized living and you change the status quo of how you live you can gauge how well you're doing by how much resistance you're met with. So when it comes to crypto, if you notice this massive influx of laws being changed and the way they treat crypto, they've even now asked to try and block crypto being used to trade stocks because they're, they're claiming the volatility is bad. No, it's the fact that they do not want it to replace the fiat currency for trading stocks because then that's another leg they've lost. And do you think, you think Bitcoin's not going to go through the roof if they start saying Bitcoin is how you're going to trade stocks from now on? Because then it pulls all banking out of it completely. See, and, and the, it's these systems. If you, if you meet resistance, it means you're heading in the right direction because these places do not want you going there because you're taking their power away. That, that's what makes these systems a, a better option. And this is why they're saying like they they've attacked it. They, I mean, here's the reference. Do you, does anyone here know the uh, the attack they had when they're saying, look how bad energy efficiency was. Look at how many emissions that you know Bitcoin makes. 
and and the, the reference that Elon Musk had when he said he's going to pull away from it. Someone huge. Someone referenced this. Did you know that the gold currency alone does fifty times the emissions, and the fiat network is four hundred times the emissions of Bitcoin? They don't mention that. There was a chart that was made, and they showed you the first snippet of the chart and how much it was. When you zoom out to the full chart, oh, it's really bad. But they don't tell you that because they don't want to tell you that in a fiat network, they have to spend billions of dollars just in transporting the money per day. That was even an old chart made by a completely biased group. Yeah. Uh, from Stanford, I believe. Yeah, and they still couldn't get it down low enough. That's what made that crazy, is the reference they made was someone who had paid to make Bitcoin look bad and they still couldn't do it. It's the same ones that did before where um, they had the Renewable Energy Group and they were doing something through Princeton and Axon Mobile paid for the study. And everyone was like, oh, it, but in the, in the study they did, nuclear and renewables beat oil and gas and stuff anyway because they couldn't make it low enough. Even with cheating, they couldn't make it low enough. They had exemptions and a whole bunch of stuff in place. The same thing happened for Bitcoin. They put all these exemptions in place and it still didn't win. Yeah, Bitcoin kind of finds all the little cracks and crevices and fills them in and takes care of the support that was missing in those areas. Especially, I mean, the grid alone, it's going to support many... It's going, to, it's going to reinforce Texas's grid, which is failing. Like, it's going to rebuild that entire grid with yeah. what they're doing. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I've been doing some research on the uh, Texan grid, um, and they are doing a fucking lot, man. I think they are going to be one of the leaders. They already are one of the main leaders in the U.S., which has taken most of the uh, market share for mining of Bitcoin right now. And what makes it crazy is what they were referencing, saying that if they switch to things like renewables, there's no emissions tax. There's nothing they can put onto crypto what they were trying to do, mind you. If you mine it, they were going to put a tax on mining it because of emissions. But if you're using renewables, there is no emission to mine. Like that, It just instantly screws their system. The reason why they didn't originally was um, someone who brought it up, who, I mean, he has a couple of Bitcoins. And in Australia, they tried to do this and they said, okay, but if you do that, you then have to tax the fiat currency as well because fiat is far worse. So the banks made them drop it straight away because you imagine how much money that is for the, for the banking system to have to pay out an emissions tax. Yeah, I think after tonight, we're going to see a lot more people calling their congressman and spreading the word and just remember pounding. So, so this is a philosophy we have that we've been taught through uh, industry groups. Don't don't think to just call your, your congressman or your representative, no matter what country you're in. Affect someone three feet away from you. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to your family member. Affect them to also contact your congressman person or, or your, your representative. Because the more people you inform, the more people that you do, like just we're talking these spaces, we've been informing people for the last two months, you know, and it's this system in place. Fibonacci. Yeah. And, and it's, the, it's the three feet rule of everyone you can affect. You don't have to get across a room to tell someone something if you can affect everyone else in the room to tell them for you. 
see it. And this, this system works. This is why in decentralizing, they're saying the same thing. If you can decentralize your house and then your neighbor sees it and your neighbor follows and this ripple effect happens, you can have whole communities decentralizing, not just with crypto, but everything else as well. When you're going to celebrate the successes, though, you know, I think the fact that it has gotten so far that it has within the last 11 years is fucking incredible. Um, the the price that Bitcoin's at is, oh, yeah. is absolutely incredible. It's fighting uphill and it's just destroying. Absolutely. I mean, so whether we say anything, anything or not, um, to be honest, it's going to have very little effect because the, uh, so the, the mass of the... Uh, the, the sort of like it's going to brute force so it's going to brute force through the system but the problem is going to be legislation put in place this is why we've said to people if you see something or if you hear something about something they're doing speak to your representative like this is a push that people need to do if they're trying to make something illegal or do something questionable this is where you have to use that voice you forget that it's you of the people like you as so the our, people hold that power yes sir our, Recently, I think our opportunity. Uh, I think our opportunity comes from like what what we know about what's going to happen. So we're sort of like front racing this game right now. Um, yeah. We're the ones we know that, that we're we're leading the path. We're creating that path before the rest get here. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that to the to the truest. I think that Bitcoin. You know, I, I do a lot of my job is in uh, technical analysis, understanding the space, sentimental analysis, um, sort of like understanding the, the uh, whole, whole group, the group think, you know, psychology. Um, that's a part of everything that I do right now. And I think that we have a long way to go. I think that uh, due to everything that I've sort of learned in the past like five, four years um, has been up to this point, and uh, I think that we will hit 100K before the end of this year. Oh, Just notarizing everything. Mm-hmm. I want to be very sort of like sort of uh, conscious with this decision of thinking that. You know, I don't want it to be just groupthink. Yeah. And um, 100K is absolutely reasonable for this type of market that's happening, this type of attention seeking and this type of uh, growth, as many people know it, all of that will spread. It's like what, you know, nobody knows the uh, snowflake that will cause the avalanche and that avalanche will, will come. Um, we, we will see an exponential ve- vector just from having a big company involve itself. So look look at the shift. Like We don't know how much of it was a shift directly from them saying it, but when, when Tesla made the reference that they were going to allow Bitcoin to buy their vehicles, they're saying that, that that's a small portion. Imagine what happens when Apple or Amazon accepts Bitcoin as, as, ba- as a base purchase price. Then that... Well, so, yeah, these ETFs are confirming that possibility. Pardon? We saw the hiring practices. So the Lightning Network's already the reference for this. If, if, if any company adopts this as a mainstay, especially someone like Amazon worldwide, 
that sets a standard for currency worldwide that can you can use for the network. But that also means that you're talking about hundreds of millions of people adopting crypto all of a sudden. Both Walmart and Amazon have hired uh, technical advisors for it. They all have. They all have. Amazon, Amazon yeah. has a blockchain specialist. One, one thing that I noticed was about 10, 8 to 10 weeks ago, they gave 14% raises to all of the staff in D.C. Every single yeah. congressional staff member got a 14% raise. So if like spread that around. When people call in, it's a very simple question. How long do you think that 14% is going to help you out? Yeah. Once you step into Bitcoin, you stop losing value and you start moving forward. Yeah. So it's a very simple argument. And this is one of the things that I do. I'm a truck driver. I get, I, I, I've been in three states today. I go around, I, and even if I don't have the time to talk to somebody because I, I have a very tight schedule usually, I just, when I leave them, as a matter of factly, I just say, buy some Bitcoin and I, as I'm walking away in a nice, fun, kind of happy way. And I, I leave them with that. And it doesn't matter if fucking nine, nine out of ten don't do you know don't even look into it just laugh it off whatever usually i get a laugh but it's the one and that one will tell somebody else and then again and again and i talk to 20 30 people a day so it's three people times three yeah. times three times three well, yeah, someone, yeah someone, tried to, someone tried to fight over me and i said just remember they said digital currency would never take off no one would trust it over cash notes and now it is the standard for currency yeah, you know, I'll, I'll retract my statement. Like, I think that telling everybody possible about Bitcoin and, you know, crypto in general is, like, very important uh, to not your own life to feel at ease, but to also their life to consider the maximum uh, possible outcome for their financial circumstance. I think that's very, very important. Um, I think that should be said, that should be told anything that you feel or are sort of like focused on in life. Um, you should tell everybody you know about that. But there comes that time when people do not um, sort of like, you know, because we have to live in like these societal standards and like talking about Bitcoin or like crypto is like a problem sometimes for some people possibly. And, um, you know, just, just sort of like, um, like anything else, it, it, it takes time for people to sort of understand, just keep to your own if you need to and, uh, do your own thing. Don't try to force people into anything. Um, if they have known nothing about the, uh, financial situation of anything, including the, the state, you know, then, uh, sort of consider that, sort of consider their, uh, their stance on anything because this is a lot to throw at them. I, I have a, uh, you know, it, I, I have experience from that. This is a lot to throw at somebody and to, to say, hey, buy Bitcoin, it's the only answer. There's a lot of stages to go through, you know, so you just have to orange build them correctly. And uh, and you don't, don't overload anybody because yeah. that'll turn them off. 
as I said, you don't have to convert someone, you only have to plant a seed. That, that seed, seed makes them look. If they go and look at it themselves and they research it themselves, that is a hundred times better than anything you can teach them. Because it, the yeah, just that curiosity. Yeah, the willingness to use their time and energy to look up these things is more important because that means that they are going to use that time and effort. They are going to find the systems they want. But always be careful because some people, some people will find the fud. They'll find the stuff that says, "Oh, don't touch it because of these things." And I always say to them, I say, look four or five searches in. Don't click Google and then look at the first search you find from Google. Go three or four pages into Google. Because the first pages on Google are paid for half the time. Those search results are there for a reason. Google's been accused of this for a long time. Sometimes it's hard to even get them there, man. Sometimes it's hard to even get them to, like, anything. I just want to make a quick Right now, and I'm, dude, I, I go to the worst areas in America. I go to the poorest weakest areas you can imagine and you just see homeless people fucking everywhere and people are doing whatever they can to get by i mean if they're not these these fucking lazy motherfuckers who aren't working i'm talking about people who are are like they're washing toilets they're doing the floors they're doing all the nasty shit right there is dry kindling all over the fucking place and i'm just lighting little fucking fires and enough of those little fires come together you start to see a whirlwind, and I think that it's just, it's going to, it's a slow start, and then it builds. We, and I, we actually have that as part of our decentralized network plan that we were saying that you can, you can build like container homes, like something we were referencing that we were building through our company. You can build these homes for people who don't have a home. And some of those people who just need this leg up to get back into the, to the markets, get back into where they were. And like, Politics and, and banks don't want this to happen. They don't want us who are in what would be referenced as the, you know, the, um, the peasants or paupers or the poor. They don't want those people gaining any ground. Because as soon as you gain ground and you become middle class, the middle class becomes too big. And like the crazy part about this that I can reference to anyone here and anyone who listens later is... At the end of the day, just remember that the top 12.2% people in the world, the richest people, own more than 80% of the world's funding. 12% of people, so 12% of that 8 billion people, own more than the bottom percentage combined, which, which is insane. And switching to things like crypto puts that money back into the hands of the 12 billion people, oh, sorry, the 8 billion people, the, the 8 billion people in the world, even if only half or a quarter or 1 billion done that, that's a massive amount of money they lose, that, that top 12% lose. That's why they're pushing so hard to try and put regulations and changes and restrictions on where you can spend it, what you can do with it. Like we, we made the reference the other week where they're like, oh, they wouldn't, they don't hand predict, it'll fail on its own. And we had someone who's from America say, people don't understand that like renewables were hampered for years. Oil companies have been discrediting solar panels since the 50s. The campaign's been going since the 50s. $100 million a year they were spending, and that's inflated into billions now. Damn. 
That's a that's from the fifties. That's year. true. You know what I mean? And, and they're saying, like, if it's a billion dollars a year now, or more than that, because I know the reference was that we were told Axon was spending $10 billion to short Tesla because they make $100 billion. So losing $10 billion of 100 is nothing when you're still making that over 90. To slow them down for as long as they could. Now, the same thing's happening with crypto. They're shoving everything in front of our avalanche they can to slow it down now. Because once it's in place and it's further in front than anything else can stop and it does that runaway, they won't stop it, but they also won't be able to control it anymore. Which means everything they had put in place beforehand gets dragged down with the, with the avalanche. So their walled garden goes away. And that's what they're scared of, is losing that walled garden they've had for two or three decades. But that'll also change the standard of what you get and this, this is what makes this the scariest thing for government, is you, you as a person have more power than, than people like or governments will will to admit. Most people don't understand how much power they hold when it comes to speaking to their electorate. But if you get the power back to say that you have the money as well and your money can be invested into things you choose rather than what the bank chooses to put that money into, you've just pulled half of their power away from them. Like any investment decision they make, if, if you as a, as, a, as a state, say you're in Texas and they're building a plant that you don't want there, at the end of the day, you can lobby against it. But if you want something built and they say no, you, you can literally combine your crypto and have it built regardless. The only thing they can stop you with is legislation at that point, which if they have... Also remember, remember, the more they print, the stronger your position becomes. Exactly. It, it, we react to it just like, just like fucking judo. Somebody comes at you from the wrong fucking angle, you just twist your hip, and over they go. You use their momentum against exactly. them. That's exactly what Bitcoin does. This is how we know uh, by the resistance they're giving us, how much they're panicking because the resistance is getting so heavy. People think, oh, this is going to crush crypto. No, it's not. This is them trying to with all their might, and once they lose that strength they have in place, it's just going to crumble the other way. Does that make sense to some people? I just want to make sure because I've got a couple of DMs too. Yeah, so you're there. You're, you're like, we're there, dude. So, yeah. You walked all the way there. So, so in the reference, they're saying that um, they're just they're trying to hold back the dam. They built a dam in place, and they're now trying to build a dam that a little bit higher and higher to stop the overflow. But there's already cracks in the dam. They just won't admit it the best reference I can use for that. They're, they're trying as hard as they can to slow this down for as long as they can while they're building other dams down the hill. And when I think that this is a... Uh, yeah. not, not to cut you off, uh, advance, but I think that this is a for sure concept that is going to happen because of the uh, internet, because of everything that is going on geopolitically. Um, Bitcoin is going to prevail, which leaves the question for all these other um, situations, I would call them. Ethereum is very much in the running of like smart contracts. Our current reality is based on paper um, 
contractual agreements. I think that I personally believe that those are going to advance into smart contract contractual agreements because they are just more efficient in general. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about the metaverse? If I, if I may, um, not to be like a total toxic maxi here, but <clears throat> just in the energy equation, I don't think there's any room at all for any shit coins. And in theory, if you look at it, all that Amazon has to do is, is unplug them and they're down. So I think that all of this has just been uh, a noise and it's all going to kind of go the way of the, uh, all the alternative engines that kind of came around when they invented the combustion engine. There's all these alternatives and none of them, none of them made it right. Like, I just think that it's one of those things where it, it, it wins. How, energy game. How, what alternatives so, are you talking about? Sir? Different forms of combustion, like when they first came out with combustion engines, uh, it wasn't just combustion engines and cars. They actually tried to go electric before they went to car, before they went to com- combustion. Um, you had people claiming that horseless carriages were going to fail, actually, and everything was just going to be horses forever. You had all these sort of, like, theoretics out there and, like, different kind of offshoots of different ideas. But at the end of the day, one kind of just went out, and then we forgot about all those other startup technologies, so, right? Some. Some systems, so some contracts you're talking about will will work. It, I don't know if the ones we currently have will work. This is this is the thing that I think some people look at it and say, like Bitcoin's going to be anchor regardless. But like, this is why we keep why I keep saying to people like everyone goes, oh no, wait, everyone's just a maximus of it. No, it, it's literally the gold standard. That's the point of the crypto, right? The point of this specific crypto, Bitcoin. But the cryptos that will be built around it in the future are the ones we're looking forward to. We have one reference here that he, they don't have a crypto to it, but they're building up the concept of how it's going to be functioned. And the idea was that instead of being paid by a worker, you can be paid as a subcontractor to work at many companies from home. So for many right. people like artists or engineers, some of these people can work from home and get paid by these companies. They no longer have to be signed this contract and you only work for my company anymore. And so someone who everybody's going to be an independent contractor. Yeah. And, every, and then anyone who has the value, they can make twice as much money. And this is what makes this crazy. And this is what people miss in this con- on this concept. If you can do this again, if we can go back to this style of system, that is capitalism, not what the governments currently think is capitalism. Your value of time and how much money you invest and what you get paid for that time and your skill that's capitalism. You can capitalize on your value. The current system we have, capitalism is actually communism. It's dictated from the top down, and they dictate how much you're worth and how much your job title is. So, Absolutely. I 100% agree with that um, concept. I think that the most arguable concept that I do um, sort of like receive is that Ethereum isn't the engine for this. Um, it's not, bro. It definitely I think, isn't. I think, I think at the end of the day, most of us um, are sort of looking for the engine for, like, the most freedom possible. Um, Bitcoin, I think, man. Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is definitely a great 
it's it's going to be the base layer. If Bitcoin doesn't um, succeed, then nothing that I'm about to explain is going to succeed. Anything that's um, built will be built on Bitcoin because, like, like I said, at the end of the day, Bitcoin wins the energy equation. It's enforced by thermodynamics. It's an immutable layer of truth that can be shared across any varying opinions. Like you can have whatever stance on, on reality, but you, you can't disagree about Bitcoin. Like that's, that's the beauty of it. I it's think, a paradox, right? It incentivizes human greed to verify truth because of that. Yes. No other so-called cryptocurrency has any standing at all. They're all just it's Ponzi funny. schemes. They're all going to zero. We had, we had, it's funny. I a hundred percent, um, not, not to be off, man, but I have to express this. I, I a hundred percent agree with, with uh, what the what um, or I can't pronounce your name, bro. I'm I'm sorry. Er, just call me Moses, bro. Um, Moses is good. Okay, Mo- Moses, Moses. Hundred percent agree with what you're saying. I think that the the main problem is that most people are headed towards greed, and that um, the 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 sort of potential of Ethereum lasting fifty years is very very in our face now um it's sort of like it's it's too big to be ignored do amazon will just shut them off at some point but that's what'll happen but but it hasn't happened until it happens we cannot say that it has happened you know know what i'm saying like we got this reference before right now this was a cool reference i thought this guy he actually works for one of these companies and he said this he said he doesn't expect his company to last forever. And he said the reference was they are the cars driven, but Bitcoin is the road they drive on. So they'll, the Bitcoin will outlast all of them. But it's the fact that uh, even one of these companies can drive for another company to come after them. That is the, the point of how this innovation is going to push. Like Bitcoin is not going to be the only option. It's going to be the anchor for every option but it's the point of what they create from this. Every company is going to want to one-up themselves. Every company is going to want to have a competitor. So if it can competitor... That's like the Australian dollar, the Canadian dollar, means nothing without the US dollar, right? Until we pull away from the Commonwealth we're currently stuck under. See, that's a misconception we have. Your, your value, or our value, is based on what we can provide to the world but it's hampered by what we're tied to. You see, now that, that same system works for, as you said, Ethereum and stuff. The systems that's in place can hurt Ethereum, Ethereum 2.0, you know, Ethereum 3.0. It might go to Ethereum 10 before you even get one that's feasible to work with crypto properly. But that's the point, is it pushes that innovation. That innovation is good. Any innovation against something is better than no innovation at all because that's stagnant. You don't want that in any industry in the world. With Bitcoin, value moves towards Bitcoin. With altcoins, value moves towards the lowest common denominator so that they can create more multipliers. They will always seek the cheaper option because it offers higher returns. It's the complete opposite. It's, and it's a lot of number bias, though, right? Like, all these go to zero. Go pull up any coin, any altcoin, run its chart next to Bitcoin, watch them all go to zero. Like, that, every so single one of them. So, Moses, the point was that when Bitcoin... Not being naive. When, hang on. When Bitcoin does um, boot, it does hit one of those big spikes. 
you're not going to be able to trade sats, let alone Bitcoin. You're going to be able to trade sats for the money that we were. You'll need a small coin to split sats up. They'll soft fork it. They'll soft fork Bitcoin then. There's still no use case for anything other than Bitcoin. Well, no, but there's well, on Lightning, you can do uh, MSATs. But that's what I mean. So the, the reference they're talking about is that this will not just be a one-off. You're not talking about what's in today. You might not see, as, as the guy referenced, he works for one of these companies, and he said there wasn't the spaces. He goes, he might retire before some of the companies that have, are working on stuff actually make something that is, you know, as standardized as Bitcoin is, right? But a lot of these things being limited is important. They're a finite resource versus Bitcoin. And the whole point is that that system is to drive itself forward. Yeah, well, Bitcoin is the only limited resource, bro. Like that, like all these other alternatives, they're just so, like Ponzi yeah, schemes, man. They're a, all just some a, dude who's driving so, the wheel, who's trying to get rich. Like, I think I think the term is wrong. It's a limited resource, not a fixed resource. Sorry, Bitcoin is fixed as well. It's fixed and limited. It's it's the ultimate scarcity. But, but in, in terms of the way it's talking, they're talking about a resource that is limited by like its growth. When they're talking about other things like Ethereum, they're saying that it will eventually hit zero. So their job is not to just anchor on it and do nothing. Their job is to make you know, Ethereum 2.0. Ethereum so you're 2.0. saying that they realize that it's going to zero. Well, that's what I mean. They're all Ponzi schemes. Like Ethereum 2.0 is their attempt at trying to like rescue their Ponzi scheme. Like It, 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 it is essentially just a Ponzi scheme. What they're saying currently is Bitcoin will not have the contract schemes in place to run everything it needs to run in the world. So these other systems will have to be put in place. We're not talking little companies too. Amazon's talking about doing this as their own company. Something that won't get switched off because they're literally going to run this as a hosting network through their, their network. So then, and that's what I mean. Like it's not, it's not going to be replacing Bitcoin ever but it's going to need a partnered system to execute things that are currently not on Bitcoin. Like these other systems are systems we need in place regardless, but there's stuff that will still be finite. It's stuff that you still, even though it's, it's there and it's like, Oh, it's going to run out. It still pushes industry forward. You don't want to get Bitcoin and then have Bitcoin go stagnant. Cause if you don't have anything driving it forward, you won't get mass investment. You won't get, the next best thing. I mean, we might be lucky and get Bitcoin 2.0, but I doubt that at this point. Does anyone else want to speak? It's hard to follow that act, bro. You threw down for a couple hours, solid. Hey guys, it's been kind of great listening in, and I'm like super new to all of this. Um, but I've been enjoying just being a part of this space. But I think you mentioned earlier um, about greed and just people, you know, not understanding. I think that's one of the hardest parts just being new in the space um, is everyone is, you know, very open and, you know, able to speak about their passions and they've been here for a while um, and they just really like truly get why they're here and their passions behind it. But I think it's very hard to get that message across or um, it's not that it's falling on deaf ears 
um, it's, it's not that at all. I just think some of the words or even the incentives that we get over in crypto are just kind of hard for someone that's new to maybe wrap their head around or um, yeah. give them more reason for jumping into the space. So this is why we, we, as I say, emphasize the idea of saying, don't tell someone how it works, have them research how it works. But the more important part is making them want to research it. Some people will look at it and go, it's a, it's a shipping, it's just a, a scam, it'll go away in a year. People have been saying that since right. the yeah, and I, That's what makes that crazy. It's it's trying to find a, a middle ground where you're not forcing it down someone's throat, but you're also incentivizing them. I know people who I've said, I earn this much money because of crypto, and instantly those people want to know more. It has nothing to do with crypto itself, just, hey, my dollar value has quadrupled since I put my money in crypto. And they freak out. Like, really? Tell me how. Because right. a lot of people who work a system today, they work a nine-to-five job, and they're not getting anywhere in life. If they can put 5% of their money into crypto and make even more of the money that they make per year, that's happy. I mean, my reference was, I can make 1.5% per day, which is over 10% a week. That's an exponential growth that I can make just in crypto, of trading the shit coins, let alone holding uh, you know, any Bitcoin. It's always about informing. What, what was that? You kind of got muffled there at the end. Sorry, it was. It's about informing people more than it is about telling them to swap. Yeah, I I I do that too. Um, aside from just saying buy Bitcoin, um, I've once pilled like seriously three hour session with someone, teaching them from the ground up security, uh, isolated email, 2FA, all that kind of shit, everything. Um, and it's like I'm investing my time in order to save them their time and whoever they also inspire. But it's, uh, it's a strange thing because some of them are, you know, they're, they, they, they're flipping about it or they're, maybe it's an asshole. It, you can kind of already tell if they're ready. Like it doesn't take long to figure out if, if they're ready or curious or uh, there's a spark. There's always something. Like they'll turn their head and, and it, it'll go from, aha, funny to, wait, I can do this or I can do that. You know, it's, it's about how you just kind of present it um, I told the story the other day. I, I, I was stuck in Salinas, California, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a trucker. I live at truck stops, basically, and uh, there were too many people in the toilet, so I went and bought a shower because you, you get to go in the can by yourself. And um, it was a little dirty, and I, I, was, I mentioned it to the guy. I was like, do you have any cleaner? Uh, and he didn't even hesitate. Grabbed a towel, spray bottle, went in there, scrubbed the fucking toilet again. And I was like, thanks, man. Uh, you should buy some Bitcoin so you don't have to do this shit too long. Uh, and he, he just kind of smiled and walked away. He's a little scrawny, uh, maybe 22-year-old uh, Hispanic kid. Um, did my thing, walked out, noticed he was kind of standing in the hallway, walked over, pulled out a 20, and I handed it to him, and I go, buy some Bitcoin. And like it was like Charlie and the fucking 
chocolate factory. I handed him the game fucking ticket. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not. I'm not like trying to be hyperbolic about it. He was like, oh, like that, that's it's, it's it's exactly what he did. He did not expect it one bit, and I didn't expect that reaction at all. I almost got a little freaked out. Like, did I just fuck up or something? Um, and and then like half a second later, he tilted his head and he goes, "Isn't that on Cash App?" And I go, yeah, it is. You can also use Strike, too. It's on the Play Store. And I, I would have gone deeper, but at that moment, at that exact moment, his manager walked up to us, and I go, hey, he's doing a great job. And I, I said thanks to the guy, and I walked away. So it's like I, I've never had that reaction, ever, 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 ever. I'm, I've, been on, I've been in sales. I've been in public speaking, all kinds of shit. I've never had that kind of reaction to a tip or, you know, that kind of gratuity because you, you occasionally you'll overdo it, but it's not like that. It was a, yeah, that kind of, I'm, it's just stuck in my head the way he did that. So, I mean, I, I felt okay doing it uh, from a, a financial stability viewpoint. I, I, it didn't put me at risk. To, to stretch a little bit for this kid because he's washing fucking toilets at pilot truck stop. And there's a thousand asses that touch those seats every day. I mean, I, it, it's gotta be one of the worst jobs there is. I mean, pretty close. I mean, he's not in a sewage plant or something like that, but I, I know he's not making good money. So, but I, I mean, if, if it increased his odds, way, it, it, it's 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 worth it to me. So, fuck yeah, let's spread this word. And I'm I'm someone who's just gotten in. Like I knew about Bitcoin, but I just got in last November. Um, and I went in through PayPal because they uh, they had no fees, and I, I thought they would have a wallet option. I discovered later they didn't, and I um, I chose a certain point at a dip uh, that I thought was fair, and I instantly transferred out. It cost me ten bucks. I'm going to take a hit, but I already washed at a later point, uh, and I DCA'd nearly every week, ninety percent the whole way. So. I, I made up for lost ground and lost time, uh, which, like when I said it, like I, 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 I feel I have fuck you money because I, I, I play poker. I see the implied odds. I see what's coming on the turn, and I see what's coming on the fucking river. And I'm playing. I'll play twenty percent. I'll play a flush draw, no problem. I'll take those odds. You know, buy the ticket, take the fucking ride. Let's go. It's we got one life. This shit sucks, and I want fucking it's out fucking of it. Well, it's fucking It's not just that. Like, as we referenced, in Australia, we don't have as many people as you, right, in America. But just as a reference, they said over 20% of Australians, over 20% of 25 million people, so over 2.5 million people in Australia alone already are investing in crypto because they can see what's coming, especially in a country like ours. Now, imagine a country that's worse off than ours, like they said with Lebanon, with, with many of the other Hispanic countries and stuff, where they're being treated like trash right now. 
they, they were, oh, we, we see that in Africa. Yeah. They were also M-Pesa. Yeah. But they're adopting this system because this system removes a lot of the expense they have with tyranny. You see, and, and this is the argument they have with, with what people said. Your constitution in America, that's not your, your right to fight against just anyone. That's your right to fight against the tyrannical government, which people don't realize is already happening. They're just doing it politically. These systems, they're an economic war on their own people. Yeah. This is why I said, like, if, if we get a decentralized movement going, whether it's crypto, energy, or whatever, this is why there's such a massive pushback with all these different things, because it changes the status quo for them, not for us. We get in a better position. We get advantage over them then that they currently hold over us. Advance. Can I ask you a question? Is um sort of what's a, the real situation with like um people that aren't agreeing with the these laws that are happening in Australia? Like, is there like a re- resistance happening, or like how is how is that situation sort of being formed? There is some, but we can't talk about it on here. That's that's how tenuous some of the stuff is. Um, we do have we do have people who are pushing back now because, as we said, some of the laws you guys are seeing because fuck fuck all that, dude. Fuck fuck them. Like fuck Australia for the the bullshit that they are sort of persisting on. Like I've seen some some fucking sort of videos and like I'm not in Australia, so I, I like fuck all that PC shit. Like, you know, man, it's fucking bullshit. We, like, it's not just we we cannot we can shit, man. Just as a reference, and this is something that's insane. This is apparently globally now. Do you know how in Simon works? How you charge for a group gathering together that could cause violence, right? That is supposed to be a law in place for people who are going to commit a hate crime. Do you know what's been classed as someone who's part of the group for a hate crime now? Politicians. Politics. Finding someone over what party they're in is actually considered a hate crime in some countries now. So if you are going to do a political rally against the current people in charge, so in America, what's that, Democrats? If you're going to do a rally against the Democrats, technically they can charge you for a peaceful rally. You can all be charged for incitement. <laughs> I'm in Texas and people drive around with like big Trump flags. But I just laugh because, as you said, like in, in many states, like my friend laughs in Texas and he goes, "Good luck bringing that law here and telling us stuff," you know. But in Australia, yeah, we can't be laughing because because the, everything that's happening in that fucking country is gonna might they're gonna persist on us. Yeah, we're, 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 the we're the trial. This is why we said, "Yo, yeah, we need to be protecting yeah. everybody." We fuck that. Look, be careful of what's happening here because, as, as you see, our government tells other governments nothing to see here. They're not treating us badly. Don't worry when they are. Not all of us are in, like, dire straits. So I always state this. Just because we're having a shit turn in Australia, don't forget that there are many other countries struggling a hundred times worse than we are. We have a bad because we are, we are you know, accused of criminals and stuff like that. But remember that there are many countries where people are starving. People are killing each other over, over food. Like I always say, those places should be main priority, not not the freedom of Australia. 
But that's the same. Absolutely. That's the same statement 100%. all the time. When everyone talks about America's freedoms and, and talking about the country and how they're protecting your country, no, they're not. They're protecting themselves because if they were really protecting the country, they'd invest in the people who are starving in your country. Well, to be fair, if we fail, then all, all hell to every world. Well, no, they're referencing the point of saying, like, in terms of they think you're too big to fail, so they're investing in themselves. Instead of investing back into their own country, which is a thing, this happens globally, and this is a scary point that people miss, that America invests in America at the top end. They don't invest in America at the bottom end where they should. And we referenced this before by saying, like, you know, service personnel, whether it's police, ambulance, fire brigades, all that stuff, all their budgets have been cut. That, that's a global thing that's happened. We've noticed talking to people around the world that budgets have been slashed for something that is one of the most important things for the people on the ground. They don't care if they're millionaires because millionaires have their own private doctor. A lot of millionaires have someone they can call up who can come to wherever they are. I know someone who's a billionaire who literally one of his staff members is, she's a trained doctor who permanently is with him at all times. So, and, so they don't care about if an ambulance can get to you in time. And that, that's the status quo that will change with crypto and other things because you can reinvest your money. And this was something someone said before. If you have a fundraiser, you can sit there and say, hey, how about the fundraiser donate all your money directly to a hospital, not to a company that's going to take a percentage, then give it to a hospital. How about we just give it directly to the hospital? Hospitals are, are major corporations now. Yeah. They're not. I mean, that's the there's no there. So in Australia, in Australia, it's the opposite. In Australia, they're supposed to be government-run facilities. However, insurance companies still dictate how they are run, which is stupid. Because insurance companies, and this is a reference from a doctor, uh, a friend of mine, he had a plate put in his jaw in America, and they told him that the surgery only costs $35,000 in total which he thought, oh, that's not too bad. When the insurance company got involved, the doctors were pissed off to find out that the, what they quoted as $35,000 was over $120,000. That's what they had quoted for the same surgery. So you can see how they conflate and make bullshit about how big these surgeries are. The, the value of the dollar is not worth what they claim it is, and they, they push this concept of saying, oh, my God, you owe so much in insurance. You need to get like high insurance Go pay for the best plan you can because you can't afford it. Yeah, but that's only because they make it so you can't afford it. That has nothing to do with the fact that the surgery didn't cost that much in real life. They just make up an arbitrary number that they make profit out of. And this is why they said that if governments ran these, and this is what a surgeon said, a surgeon over there said he gets paid by the hospital, but the hospital gets their money through grants from the government. So the, the money you get from the, the company that owns it, all that money is from taxes. That's who pays the, the surgeons, not that corporation doesn't actually pay the staff. So this is where grant, like, you know, hospital grants and, and these things, this push about COVID and people getting grants and stuff. This is where these issues come into play. They're actually starving the doctors. Nurses have walked out from a lot of hospitals because they want nothing to do with all the crap going on right now. They're using COVID as an excuse to say that they're not willing to pay their staff. So that's a, that's a big differences in that same field. And that's why they said, like, these systems can be put in place. You can set up a network system through a health provider who uses blockchain to say, oh, well, I'm at this hospital, I'll pay this, and that will be distributed through everyone that you have to deal with while you're there at the hospital. There's, there are systems you can put in place like this. And as I said, like, insurance companies can do this. You know, a rental company can do this. You can help. I mean, you can use blockchain payments through things like streaming services. 
You know, we even have the one with Brave. Now, if anyone who doesn't have Brave, I recommend Brave as a browser on your phone and your computers and everything. Literally make money from that system. And this is a base system they're using to test what they can put in in the future. Imagine what happens when that's a global system that, you know, at least 4, mil, 4 billion people use. That's going to go from a little bit to a lot very quickly. And this is why like innovation is such a big thing because right now we're talking about, what, 20 companies making some of the big pushes for crypto? Imagine what happens when that 20 company turns to 300 companies because crypto is the standard. Then you'll see some changes in how things are run. Imagine when you're the company and you're making the decisions. It's more the fact that, like, like, say, like, they say Ethereum or one of the other companies, you can name one of the hundred coins we have. We call them alt or she coins. Imagine when those coins, not the coin itself, but the company behind some of those coins. So not the fake ones people are making up, but the ones who actually have companies behind them, like Algo and the other ones. So... If those companies get financial backing through these systems, more of those companies will spawn. They're the ones we want, not the ones that are just a random coin that will deflate after so many years. It's the company, not the coin we want. And I think that's the thing that people misconceive when they're talking about like altcoins and shitcoins. It's not, hey, this coin's coming out, we're going to use this coin forever. No, we're not. That's why Bitcoin's there. Bitcoin's that. But the coins they bring out are supposed to bolster the company doing things. And those companies can advance how the systems work more and more till eventually we won't need half the systems we have in place now for fiat at all. The lessons of Bitcoin, like the restructuring of the perception of value, will automatically discourage 90, the other 99.99% of the shit that comes from that sector anyway. And it's the same thing when you decide what you want to do, when you, when you want to do to create a business look in your community you're going to see competitors that are offering offering garbage options like for example uh dollar general or the dollar store they they locate in these small towns they offer zero nutrient uh options for groceries and and just all processed food just absolute garbage when you're backed by your own Bitcoin, it's like Sailor says, and it's true. You can do whatever you want. You can create a business that can compete with that piece of shit that's siphoning money out of the community, hire people in the community, and you'll, your initial difficulty curve for getting that business off the ground is backed by Bitcoin. There's nothing stronger in this world. This was the reference so, in Texas. He said, imagine what happens when a community can turn around and say, hey, our crypto community is going to fund a vertical farm for our entire community to have. Then mass industries who do farming, and, and so I mean, like, this is always a misconception when people talk about it. There's not as many farmers doing the farming you buy from supermarkets as you realize. Massive chunks of those farms are from other countries. They snap freeze it and send it to America. They put the logo on it saying it's from California, but most of it's not. We've had this argument. It's on my truck right now. So in Australia right now, they actually have a mandate they're trying to push through the states that they have to dictate what percentage of the product is from what country. So now when we pick up a brand, it'll say this is 25% Australian. So it tells you that it's 75% foreign. Like that. Now vegetables is the whole 
Sir, can you please tell me the benefit of living in Australia right now? <laughs> um, it's a nice place, nice people. We just have bad people in charge right now. That's the problem. Just to be clear, you guys usually have a rotation, Republic-Democrat, Republic-Democrat. It might go two years with one and it switches to another, right? So yeah, in Australia, we're on the third straight year a third straight election, sorry, of the same party being in place. It was already corrupt when we started, and they just got worse right. over three elections. Damn. So this is this what I mean. Like this, this is like an example to people going, "Hey, people should be looking at governments and going, governments need to be reworked, and like crypto can change that stuff." Yeah. So these are the facts that we are currently dealing with. Um, it's it's a damn like it's it's a fucked up situation, but you know how how will sort of like the Australian government change from crypto? Because so this is yeah, this is a real thing going on. Yeah, right now. So this is something people haven't. We don't. Not a lot of people know this because we're we're not pushing it too heavily right now. But they're talking about we have small parties who are forming. Who is going to be a party to oppose the two parties we currently have? They don't get funding from big corporations like these two parties do. So there's a, currently a movement to ask people to use Bitcoin or other cryptos to finance this party so it has the money to go against the other parties. Now, most of us are already going to vote for this person anyway because we want the other two out because the other two are both agreeing on the same stuff. Fuck them. You know, like, I mean, even now, like, our, our current party who's against the ones in charge, they're complaining because they've got no teeth. The government has removed any power they have. So that just shows you how dangerous that system is. When you're saying in, in America the reference of, it's like the Democrats getting full power and any Republican who's left has no teeth to fight them. That, that's what's happening in our parliament right now. I got, uh, one of our, our opposition leaders stood up and he actually argued about the fact that we went to the COPE, the, the, the climate um, stuff this week, and we just went, we're not agreeing to the 2050 now. We, our government just said, screw it, we're not doing nothing. In fact, we're increasing how many coal plants we have. Yeah, it, I mean, it's got nothing to do with climate. It's, got, it's a pissing point. Without doxing yourself, sir, do you have any uh, say in the political party of, like, Australia? No. However, most people do have a say in the way they vote and stuff like that. So... There's always that issue of people don't realize how much power you have as a person. In, in, in your representative is literally your representative for that reason. They call them a representative because they are there to represent you. You, the people, you know, the people are in power in countries. Unless you're in a dictatorship, that is not meant to be wrong. Absolutely. Don't you have powerful unions there that can help? Some. Some unions, the, the current government's trying to abolish them. Well, I have a question. Do, do the people in Australia really feel like, even if, because I mean, I don't know how much you pay attention to the to the USA election cycle, but there was obviously large conversations surrounding whether or not uh, certain processes in the electoral college were legitimate or not. Even if you could vote for this other third party that you guys are talking about, um, how, if even if you won, could you really win? if the other two parties just basically said that you didn't have the votes? 
So this has been a current accusation, and they're talking about saying that they're trying to uniformly ask communities to vote all for this one group. Because they're saying both parties have been doing nothing for enough. We need a completely new party in place. And they've already been accused of, of uh, tampering before in, in elections. So it'll be interesting. I mean, we might not win every seat, but and this is the reference people don't get. Like, We're not going to have a landslide vote where every single political seat is voted for and they all vote for this one new party. So all they need is three or four to get in so the other party currently need to panic. You know, and the other party that was the opposition who should be in but lost the last one, they're going to panic twice as much because... They, they're not in power, and they could lose their positions they already are losing to this new party. See, and, and having a third party doesn't always mean they're going to win. It just means it's a threat of a seat they could lose. The way, the way our voting system is structured in Australia as well is that so many of our seats are marginal that it only takes a third party to take a couple of seats, and it actually takes quite a large sway of the power away from the institutions that already exist. Did, did you hear about the NAT seats in Australia? They're trying to split into two seats now? Yeah, they're trying to gerrymander it. Yeah, they're, they're trying to rig it so that there's enough party seats in NAT's favour that the, the Liberals will get back in versus Labor or one of the other parties winning. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it is, we do have the same concerns, if you know what I mean, but I also think that the way our electoral system is structured is more robust. Like, we don't have voting software that could be tampered with. Everything's a fucking handwritten ballot, if you know what I mean, which you can tamper with as well. You can't go in and just rewrite the program. Uh, are you saying um, we need to sort of combine and still persist? Well, th there are ways that you could use, uh, you know, an electronic type of signature. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that level. It's uh, blind signatures and untraceable payments. I mean, this is this is cryptography that was uh, created by David Chalm, and this is back in the '80s. So it's not like a new thing. Um, you know, you could use that and you wouldn't have to worry about voting software or anything like that. I mean, this is really something that can be audited, even though it's still centralized, you're going to have to have some kind of level of trust, but, uh, you wouldn't have an issue because essentially it, it's kind of like each, each person that goes to vote, they essentially get a, a crypt, a cryptographic token and they would pay that token towards whoever they're trying to vote for. And all that can be audited in the end and you don't have to have to worry about some other software or uh, paper ballots being forged or anything like that and counterfeited. Yeah, we've, we've had this talk before about some blockchain people are talking about it now about saying that you can buy, buy a token with just your identity, but when you use the token to cast your ballot, the token is just, it's um, anonymous. So they can't see who it is. But the problem they're having right now is you would need a database to check off who's actually got a token because otherwise they could just generate tokens. So these are the systems they're trying to work out what would work. But as they've said, even with the paper ballot right now, we have people who are non-English speaking and our current government has been accused of taking translators who are getting them to vote for liberals the party who's currently in, tricking them into just voting for those people. That's what they were told to do. 
Yeah, they they used um they used signage as well at the last election in Chinese language to get Chinese language voters to unwittingly vote for them. The same thing happens for people. Okay. So this happens uh, just to say this happens in America too. Um, this also happens in homes. So the nursing staff will vote on the behalf of those people in nursing homes. Just wanted to say it's been a pleasure this evening, gentlemen. Thank you for the conversation. You'll see me around here again soon. I got to get up early. You guys have a good night. I didn't want to leave. I feel like one of the main sort of uh, reasons we fail to adapt to certain things that happen um, that we hear is because of facts, right? Like things need to be factual. And um, sort of being as mathematical as mathematically factual as possible is, is the uh, most important part. Um, so how do you guys sort of feel like I don't know, you can kind of say like any mathematical, uh, any any sort of like chain can be, can work in theory, right? So it's, you know, I really, I really very much believe in like a theory, uh, Bitcoin as uh, the fundamental technology of everything. But at the same time, you know, Ethereum is very much second place. Um, and then there's many other chains to consider. And then it's sort of like we're on a time limit. We have this very small window for different bull, different uh, bull cycle events to happen. You know, if you, you guys study technical analysis enough, I'm sure you understand that Bitcoin is not the only one to run within this bull cycle. So if we're sort of in the conversation of making everybody money, then, then you know, that's a totally different conversation to what's going to be substantial within the next 10 to 20 years, you know. So I think it's very um, important to divide those conversations. Um, I think that, big, that Ethereum definitely has more of a sort of reward-based mechanism within it um, when it comes to understanding what the RR is. And uh, Bitcoin has a uh, sort of guaranteed RR, um, you know, just in my opinion. So, well, I, I would say that you're talking about bull cycles and everything like that. Like if you zoom out, I mean, I could I can make a good case that we've always been in a bull cycle. It just depends about how, but how, patient, how patient you're actually being. And the, the other thing is most 
because someone had made the point a, a moment ago talking about how a lot of these coins are backed by companies and it's not like you're going to be using that coin for forever. And I think that's true. It's just kind of like, you know, you want to hang on to an equity in the stock market if that company starts to uh, underperform and you see other things in the, in, in the market that's going to perform better. That's where you're going to want to put your, uh, your money at that point. So that's, that's the and, reference we had the other day where I was like, just remember, you're looking at it like this. Bitcoin is the fiat, and all the other coins are stocks. Stocks don't stay forever. They fluctuate a lot. You know, at the moment, Bitcoin's doing that, but eventually Bitcoin won't fluctuate as much as it is now. But or it's risk to reward that I, am, that I persist, persistently talk about. You know, it's that risk to reward. You, to, to a fact, I and, and we can compare this to history, Bitcoin has not outperformed Ethereum for every bull cycle that we have experienced with them both both in existence. You know, we can, we cannot say that from a fundamental uh, risk to reward perspective that Bitcoin has done better than Ethereum. That is that is absolutely not a fact. Ethereum has done better than Bitcoin every bull cycle that ethereum has to well be well first of all you'd only have two points of reference so yeah here's the problem with ethereum not that ethereum yeah, can't could, be claimed every problem with ethereum or not but yeah go ahead look ethereum I do believe that we are going to find a certain point in time where you start to have issues with uh the the unit account bias so the the price of the coin as it goes up will make it uh more and more of a turnoff to retail investors who feel like they cannot afford one so you're going to have to once again rely on institutions and and you know hedge funds and centralized banks that maybe want to put their money there and the problem with that is if I have billions of dollars and I want to put it somewhere, um, Ethereum doesn't have its own infrastructure. It's actually very reliable on what Amazon Web Services provides for it. So it doesn't have its own infrastructure for the most part as to where Bitcoin does have that infrastructure. Also, when it comes to um, keeping the network secure, because of the block size of Bitcoin, because of the security, and because of the decentralization, if I had tons of money, uh, I would always decide, okay, the safest place to put it is in Bitcoin, and it wouldn't go into Ethereum. So, yes, at this moment in time, Ethereum has outperformed, but it would not make sense to believe that that is always going to be the case moving forward. But it would be the case to believe that because of, uh, I'm not sure... If you know exactly everything that's going on within the mining industry for Bitcoin, but there are commercial miners that have been setting up locations here in Texas and the United States for the past two years working to utilize the renewable energy here. So you're going to have uh, ways to make renewable energy more efficient. And when you can do that, you're literally using solar and wind or even the inefficiencies in, uh, in natural gas usage for mining. So now you're creating monetary value from what would have been wasted energy. And when the miners are going to have that monetary value, 
They can then disperse and decentralize the network even further, which will actually help the economy further. These are all things that, uh, that Ethereum is not going to do because if Ethereum moves over to proof of stake, you've literally rebuilt a large portion of the negative things within the actual legacy finance system right now because proof of stake is basically proof of wealth and those who had the most were going to have to say in the governance. Hey, Alan, uh, yeah. Uh, not, not yeah, it's interesting, man. I think um, I think Bitcoin is definitely going to take over the uh, sort of access. Sorry, sort of the excess energy problem with the world. Um, all this ex excess energy uh, that is sort of being contributed from like mining, like coal mining and pretty much everything can be just contributed to like proof of work, uh, which is what Ethereum, which is what Bitcoin runs off of. Ethereum's trying to run away from that, um, sort of protocol. And I understand that, but I also understand that, a lot of current enterprises are sort of leeching themselves to Ethereum and what the capabilities of DeFi and NFTs are um, sort of providing in value from, from that. Um, I am not blind to that as well. You know, part of my job is to sort of observe everything. I am not biased to sort of any sort of um, current interest that is partaking in the market, you know? And I think that this blockchain world is a very new world when it comes to our whole society. Our society is very good at absorbing different constructs. You could talk about MySpace as a construct. You could talk about every social media event that has happened as a construct in our society as uh, taking hold within that. I think cryptocurrency is no sort of difference from that, regardless of the, uh, you know, technical, tech, un unfortunately to an extent, regardless of the technical, technological infrastructure that's happening within that. Um, and like the political views you may feel or anybody may feel, uh, within that, I, I follow, you know, trends and I follow adoption, uh, adoption curves. Ethereum and Bitcoin are definitely on top of those adoption curves. You know, I would argue um, other projects are as well, like Chainlink. Um, you know, that's just a personal opinion. Well, all of these are, of course, he, personal he, opinions, but, you know, they, they all follow with, like, certain data points. So it's like, you know, everyone, everybody can argue their point, but I, I feel like it's those data points that really matter. Here's what well, you know, like, Ethereum is literally following Bitcoin's adoption rate. If you lay the chart over chart, yeah, it's almost And, like and Bitcoin was, was what price last year? Um, it was it was close to the price okay, that Ethereum is round thousand. They're not the same as far as circulating supply goes. But what are we so talking about as far as like people making money goes? 
Okay, that's fine. But, but see, but see, everything's done well so far to this to this point. Everything's done well so far to this point. But because the circulating supply is different, it, it it's it's just coincidental. There's nothing to say that suddenly Ethereum doesn't just stagnate all of a sudden. Like just because it has done something, like you're trying to base the the, the future off of previous results. And that's just really not the way to look at this because technical analysis can only take you so far. Like it, it is not a crystal ball. It is not going to take you to the future like that. Never said that technical, technical analysis could take you to the future. I'm just saying that this opportunity is way, way too big for any of us to comprehend. And that on-chain analysis okay. is yeah. a completely different mechanism within itself. So like, we should understand just basically what I'm saying is that this whole asset is way too big of an opportunity for any of us to miss. I think that fundamentally we should be invested within every thing that we are sort of like in capturing within this thing, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Ethereum, all those worlds at the end of this whole journey will mesh they will combine into each other. Like we're, we're, we're sort of like unleashing the ability of blockchain technology. And I think that that's the most important part within this whole sort of conversation within any other conversation that you may have within this, this whole thing. Okay. Well, was, the, hard, the hard thing for me is, okay. So something that's very popular right now are the NFTs, right? So NFTs are popular digital art, but this is not something that needs to be on a blockchain. Like blockchain is not the solution for digital art. There's already encrypted timestamps that are available for proof of ownership for digital art. Like just, you, you have to look at it this way. If there's not a problem to solve, then, it, then it's a waste because there's other ways to do it that are already cheaper and more efficient. You I'm just saying that most people don't understand that they live in the metaverse already with their jobs that they persist on every time you know, we're talking through the internet right now. We're, I don't think many people understand that this is the metaverse. Like the way that we are communicating with each other, like the internet, everything. I think that we're sort of like debunking what, can actually be done. We figured out shit through Bitcoin. That's done. Now, what else is next? We know no, it's, it's not. We know not money. Now we're, we're now we're con contextualizing what everything is like. I think that you know the metaverse can obviously be be be. Uh, it's it's not a direct like definition yet, but. Every time you, like, I have a lot of homies that work through the internet, like, their jobs are fucking, like, um, like, you know, uh, um, you know, yeah, remote. Or, remote. Or, like, home, right? like making, making websites or whatever, but mostly they're talking to their bosses through like zoom. Right. So like all that shit is the metaverse, you know, I'm understanding like, everything that we do is through the metaverse is through the internet. And like, that's the main point of sort of what I'm saying is like, we don't know what any of this is technically because of perspective, because of relativity, 
we don't know what any of this is. And I think that that should be open for interpretation. And that economy, that whole economy beyond Bitcoin is open for interpretation. Beyond Bitcoin is an economy. You know, it's the economy that we obviously live in. It's not, it's going to be the sort of the base of the economy, I think, in the future. But the economy that we live in currently is, is sort of up for interpretation. Um, and it's, it's sort of that divide within that. It's, it's really weird. Okay. Like, you're right. There is an economy there. However, it's when we fail to do enough research on the specific entities of the economy. Like, for, for example, and, and maybe you already know this. I'm going to give you credit and say maybe you do know this, but you mentioned Chainlink. And uh, when I first heard about Chainlink and figured out what they were trying to do, I thought it was pretty cool, and I wanted to put some of my money into it as well. But then I, I kind of came to find out, like, that 79% of the tokens are held by, like, 100 wallets. And if this is a regular company, say, like, Apple or, uh, you know, any other stock, I would not buy that equity because 79% of the, of the, of the equity is held by, by the company, and they would have complete control, basically, over how much rate of return I'm going to receive by investing into it. So Chainlink might be a good project, but if you're putting your money there because you think that it's going to give you ROI, you're, you're kidding yourself because you're at the whims of a very centralized uh, company at this point. So, I mean, if you, like, here's the thing, you could diversify yourself and you could buy like all these different altcoins and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, this one has a cool white paper and this one's got great marketing and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, some of these coins, they might for a short period of time outperform Bitcoin, but the majority of them actually trend to zero versus Bitcoin. You look at the Bitcoin peer, like Litecoin. Owning Litecoin today is a fool's errand. Like, nobody should do that. Owning Bitcoin Cash, it's not going to work. That hard fork didn't work. The, the, you know, the block wars happened. And you, you realize that if you just put your money into Bitcoin because you weren't sure that you were picking winners, you would have been more successful just by putting your money into Bitcoin. Because every time you put money into Bitcoin, you're voting. You're voting on the future of how you want monetary policy to work in the world. And, and you tried to say that, oh, well, Bitcoin's already decided. No, it's not. We're only, only 1% of the world's population at best is actually even dabbling in this space yet because of how early we are. So we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves and trying to jump into this ecosystem of possibly 12,000 12, other cryptocurrencies. We don't need to do that yet. What you need to do is you need to sit down with your family, you need to sit down with your friends, and just go in the most basic way possible. If they have Cash App on their phone, show them how to buy Bitcoin on Cash App. Is it perfect? No. Everyone knows, like, if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto, it's not your Bitcoin, like, that's fine, but not everyone's there. I'm just saying that what we're, if, if, if this space is actually called getting yourself out of fiat, you, you have to do it the right way. Because... If you recommend all these alternative projects to your friends and family and they go out and they buy shit coins and then they get burnt, do you think they're going to want to stay in this space? Do you think it's going to actually give Bitcoin and the rest of this space a chance to succeed? No, it's not. 
They're going to tell you that it was stupid. They should have never taken the risk. They knew that they were right and you were wrong. And you don't want any of that to happen to you. Hey, bro, I was busy, uh, like, editing some stuff, so I was kind of keeping silent, but I've been listening. And, like, you mentioned a couple of things, like, oh, we're already in the metaverse and everything's a network already and we're on the Internet. And, like, dude, the one thing I think you're failing to realize is, like, the network that is Bitcoin is going to be the only network in the future that is censorship proof that's tyranny proof that's any of that yeah, any of those things we have a tyranny problem just just let me finish one sec we have a tyranny problem right now in society bro like that's currently what bitcoin aims to solve right so any of these other systems are tools of tyranny they're tools of scams and <clears throat> they're just not going to hold up in the long run like what bitcoin is is a whole paradigm shift so, like, saying Bitcoin's already discovered and, oh, we're going to have Ethereum running alongside of Bitcoin forever and ever, and amen, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I started to, you know, respectfully, uh, you know, interrupt you. I, that's not what I'm saying. Um, ultimately, what I'm saying is that I think there will be, you know, just different walls for, for this uh, financial... Um, the, the only use case, the only use case for shit coins, man, the only use case for them is to siphon as much money out of people as possible before fiat collapses and you can't siphon opinion, money out of people anymore. Hey, we need it. We need to understand that that's your opinion and that that's not the market's opinion because the market's opinion right now my, my is that Ethereum is a fiat market. Hey, so it, it, it's a false market. Well, like well, what are you measuring your gains in dollars? The fiat, the fiat market is existing within the Bitcoin world already. So if that's your opinion, then, then let's respect that. But so when okay. everything's measured in Bitcoin, what are you going to measure? It's already in measured Bitcoin? in Bitcoin, man. Bitcoin exists. Bitcoin is here. What do you, what else do you want? We already measure shit in Bitcoin. We understand that Bitcoin is fucking important. We understand that Ethereum is also important in a different way. Like, the market is here. It's already trading at billions of dollars a day. Like, what? Our our, our honest opinion, our our opinion does not matter, man. We have a market for it now. So I just, I I want to ask you a question. Did you know that Bitcoin has already had the capability to run NFTs since the year 2012. And did you know that Bitcoin can already do smart contracts? Like this is not stuff that's unique to Ethereum, like web three and all the promises of Ethereum. It's, it's kind of like windows. It doesn't matter as it's kind of shit. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is adoption. It runs like Windows Vista too. It, it does a really good. Well, you're not going to have adoption. No one's you're using it. It doesn't mean anything. The the people you're that are using it on the people that are the the most people that are using uh, uh, NFTs on are are the Ethereum blockchain right now. Right now, are you the people using NFTs are spending more money to move their NFTs between wallets than they are on what the yeah, The only thing itself, that matters yeah. is adoption, in my view. The only thing that matters is adoption. Are you adopting it for something? Like, what is your use case for Ethereum? Adoption. No, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. What are you personally using Ethereum for? That's uh, to my personal business, but 
No, you're treating it like venture capitalism. That's what you're doing. You can't even describe what you can personally do with Ethereum. I don't have to. I don't have to describe to you what I'm doing with anything, man. This is the fucking internet. Fuck you. Also, Ethereum is being you. Anyways. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, this is going to be an episode. I don't really want hashing out of shit coining on it. So, that's... Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really trying to poke the bear that much, man. I'm sorry. So, like... Um, and, and by the way, anybody, you're, you're, anybody you're good. You got some good points. I just like, he's just arguing in circles about Ethereum and I just like, what the hell? Yeah. Any, anybody who's listening in here, like, I'm not trying to deter you. If you've done your due diligence and you really think that there's a use case and there's a reason for you to personally adopt it, you can do that. I'm just trying to make the point that I've seen it time and time again, where people would just stick to the straight truth, which is that. Bitcoin is the backbone of this entire ecosystem, and without Bitcoin, none of this would even exist in the first place. And that 99% of the people that you encounter in the world, they don't even know how to use Bitcoin. They, they've, hear, they've heard of it, but they still think it's like some kind of magic internet money. If, the, if you could just get the chance to sit down and show them the basics, like show them like, hey, did you know you can get this on Venmo? Did you know this is on Cash App? Did you know this is on PayPal? Like, did you know that there's this, there's an exchange called Coinbase that's actually listed on the New York Stock Exchange? Like, it's a public company. Did you know that you can invest in all these Bitcoin mining companies? Because most people don't know this stuff. And most people do have a sense that, like, the money system, the fiat world is broken because they feel like they're having such a hard time getting by and they don't understand basic investments. And it, it's hilarious to me because also... Even if you could spend all the time in the world and you tried to get access to stuff that would teach you stuff, oftentimes, like these groups that you'd sign up for that are like stock investment groups, they're still controlled by the, the wealthy elite. And they almost sometimes give advice that's contradictory to what you should actually be doing. You know, they're. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling a course actually uh, for 850 bucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you don't get the joke, you don't get it. But that's, that's hilarious. But I mean, I hope you guys kind of like under understand that you know, when you're when you're in this world, like most people can't even gr grasp the concept of, of a peer-to-peer -peer payment system, let alone understanding the difference between Austrian and Keynesian, uh, you know, economics. You know, there's there's really good books that you could recommend people to read. I mean, I think everybody should read the Bitcoin Standard, and it's only like 15 bucks and it's like on Amazon prime. So if you have Amazon, you could get it pretty quickly. Um, or if not, if you have about, I mean, I'm, I don't want to not make sure that the, the author, uh, safe safety and Amos gets the, the, the money he deserves. But hell, if you have YouTube, Google, you know, YouTube, the, the Bitcoin standard, it's literally like an eight hour audiobook on there. Like if you have eight hours of time, you could just listen to it. And you can understand so much more about how money should work, how money has actually worked in the past, and how all the issues that we're having today is basically just, a, a, it's all been a conceptual control created by an oligarch system. And if we can, we can break that reality, then you will eventually be able to bridge the divide with so much wealth inequality.
that's that's just my two satoshis. I'm gonna go ahead and shut up now. Yeah, I don't know uh, where uh, the host is, but I'm I'm gonna head to uh, head to bed. So I'm I'm just gonna shut down uh, the recording of this. If you guys wanna continue around the space. I don't know. Yeah, I actually have to eat now. So I'd, I'd have to beat everyone a Jew. Uh, deuces, guys. Deuces. Yeah, this was great. Thank you guys so much. And hope you guys have a great Thank you very much for coming and listening for those who didn't speak. And thank you for speaking for those who did.